The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. And now Heineke over the middle. It's Dodson. Dodson spins. Whoa! That touchdown throw, catch, and run, Taylor Heineke to Jahan Dotson with a minute 45 to go in the game, and the subsequent extra point from Joey Sly tied the score at 20-20. to They would play another 11 minutes and 45 seconds, 10 minutes of that in overtime, and that's where the score ended, 20-20. to The first tie for Washington since 2016, the first tie for the New York football Giants since 1997. I've got a couple of notes on both of those games coming up here shortly. Uh, how did you feel? I've got a Twitter poll out there at Kevin Sheehan DC. Did you feel like at the end of it, it felt more like a win, a loss, or what it was? A tie. Uh, at Kevin Sheehan DC on Twitter right now, 47.5% said it felt like a tie. 39.2% said it felt like a loss. And just 13.2% felt like uh, it was a win. Uh, I will share with you in a moment how I felt about the 20-20 to tie. And I'll get to my game take uh, as well coming up here in a moment. Uh, the show today is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC, and they will match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. They're going to give you free money. You're going to have another sports book to play with. Um, comparison shop on point spreads if you already have a place. It's fair on point spreads, on money lines, on totals. You get paid if you win. This is a place that you can rely on. The pricing is great. MyBookie.ag, promo code Kevin DC. Um, the big games for Washington next week uh, include obviously the Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants. Eagles, six and a half point favorites right now uh, at my bookie. But there are a couple of other games. The Seattle game is an important game. They're four and a half point favorites over the Panthers. And let me give you another game that you just got to keep an eye on here because this is a team I mentioned a couple of weeks ago is playing very good football right now, and they are 5-7 and seven on the year. Boy, they are so close to being 6-6, six and six, but they lost that Thanksgiving Day game to Buffalo. The Lions 
at five and seven are pick'em at home against the ten and two Minnesota Vikings. Beware of the Lions. They are a pretty damn good football team right now. They can really score. They've won four out of their last five. They almost beat the Dolphins, uh, and they almost beat the Bills. Those are their two losses in their last six games. They finish with the Vikings, Jets, Panthers, Bears, and Packers. If they were to run the table, that's a 10-7 and football team. So pick them this week against the Vikings. Seattle, Carolina, Minnesota, Detroit, and the Giants and Eagles are really the significant games during Washington's bye week that are coming up. Much more on the NFC playoff picture uh, during uh, this show. So, um, before I get to my game take, a couple of things. Number one, the game felt like a tie for me. The game in 2016, Washington's last tie, was the game in London against the Bengals when Dustin Hopkins missed a 31-yard field goal in overtime and Washington had over 500 yards of offense. I think it was actually approaching nearly 600 yards of offense. I'd have to look that up. But it was a ridiculous offensive uh, performance. But Hopkins missed a couple of field goals, including a 31-yarder in overtime. That felt like a loss. I'll never forget coming in here um, on the morning after that game in London back in 2016. You know, that, that was an unfortunate season. They didn't make the postseason, went 8-7-1. and one. That tie, the loss to Detroit, the loss to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, they had so many opportunities to make that final game of the year not mean anything. In that game, I just pulled it up, Washington had 546 yards of offense. Cousins threw for 458 in the game, and Hopkins couldn't make a damn field goal from 31 yards out. <clears throat> that game felt, to me, very much like a loss. Um, by the way, the last Giants tie came in 1997 against Washington at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football. That was the infamous Gus Farratt game when he knocked himself out when he banged his head against the wall after a touchdown in a 7-7 to tie. Um, that ultimately uh, was the first of two late season matchups between Washington and the Giants, and the Giants got them in the rematch, thirty to ten, which was a game later on in the season, uh, in the in the next to last week of the year, um, and the Giants won the division, and Washington um, was out. Um, but man, Giants have gone a long, long time without playing in a tie. But I really felt like this game felt like a tie. Um, because the truth of the matter is, while I thought Washington was the better team, you know, a little bit better, not a lot better, but a little bit better, um, on, on that hand, it doesn't feel great that they lost. On the other hand, the Giants had Washington done at 20-13 to 13 when they got in field goal range on the throw to Darius Slayton. And then that dumbass center, Feliciano, came in, flexed his muscles, and got flagged for taunting. If I'm a Giant fan, I feel like it's a loss today because you had a chance at 20-13 to 13 with under six minutes to go um, to run two more minutes minimum off the clock and at worst kick a field goal for a 10-point lead. And that guy went and got called for a taunting. 
Was it kind of a, you know, ticky-tack call? You know, he certainly wasn't taunting in in some of the more uh, uh, obvious, egregious ways. He was just flexing his muscles, but you can't do that. You know, you're 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 putting you're 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 putting it at risk running up the way he did. And that right there was the first of several what I would call game-changing plays. There were a bunch of them in this game. Um, and I'm going to go through my list uh, coming up um, in my game take. But if the Giants if the Giants miss the playoffs, that stupid penalty by their center might be the play they look back on and say, that's what cost us more than anything else. Um, there were so many game-changing plays. There were so many strategic decisions in the game for both coaches uh, to make. Um, and the truth is, I'm going to be honest with you, and you, you'll hear me say it, I didn't really have a problem with many of the decisions that Ron Rivera ended up making yesterday. Uh, and I'll get to all of them. Um, there was a call or two officiating-wise that I didn't love. I didn't like that they picked up that defensive pass interference on Terry McLaurin down at the goal line. Um, but uh, I've seen worse get picked up. Um, I did think it was defensive pass interference, but I think the key to that play is the ball was not viewed, I don't think, by the referees to be catchable. It was really underthrown, and that was part of the problem. If the ball had been thrown anywhere near Terry, I don't think they would have picked that uh, flag up. Um but really, you know, overall, what we saw yesterday is just what we've been seeing. You know, with the exception of the Houston game, the last eight games have been this. Games that are played with, you know, good plays in them by Washington. Games that are played in a shaky way uh, by Washington. But for the most part, um, games that really come down to a couple of plays here and there. Um, but what I, I said this on radio this morning. They have an identity. You know, we've, we talk about identity in sports and, you know, football in particular. There aren't a lot of franchises with true identities anymore. Pittsburgh does, Baltimore does. Those are the two that kind of come to mind. Um, but I love that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio and Scott Turner and really everybody has bought in to who they are. They know who they are. You know, they are a team that is going to be physical and smart on defense. Uh, they are a team on offense that's going to be a run-first physical team, especially with Brian Robinson Jr. Um, more on him coming up. Uh, I wouldn't let, by the way, the run-pass ratio yesterday of, I think it was 41 throws and 36 runs. Um, that's Taylor Heineke had 13 of his 41 pass attempts in the final three and a half minutes of the fourth quarter because they pretty much had to throw it. Um, they had the balance where they wanted it for much of the day. But this team's got an identity, you know, and whether it's enough to get them into the playoffs or not, we're going to find out. But I think the key here over the final four weeks, I don't expect them to deviate from who they are, and they shouldn't. You know, they should be what they've been here because they have had a chance over eight weeks to win every single game they've played, and they have won six of them. They lost one, and they tied one. And the game they lost, they could have won to Minnesota, and the game they tied, they could have won against the Giants. I'm not for which many of you are, it's amazing, every week how many of you are like, that's enough. I've seen enough. 
They are way too limited with Heineke at quarterback. It's time for a change. No, I'm not for any changes to the lineup at quarterback. All right. I, I, I'm actually going to say something that surprises me. Um, when they got the taunting penalty and then the subsequent sack and then the punt and they got the ball back at their own 10-yard line down 20-13, to 13, I was watching the game with one of my three sons who was home watching the game with me, and I said to him, they're going to go down the field. They are going to score. He's going to create a couple of plays that are going to be magical kind of plays. They're going to go for two, and they're going to win this game 21-20. to 20. I really felt that way and said it on my three sons. I said that. The fourth and four was so good. I know he got lucky multiple times per usual on some throws in the game. But with the game on the line, fourth and four, please. I mean, seriously? How did he even see Samuel? The longer he kept flushing left, I just thought it's over. He's got nobody to go to, and there's no room for him to run, and he's going to throw something up for grabs that's going to get knocked down or picked or whatever. And yet with him on those plays, there always seems to be a chance. He's going to his left, and he's going to throw it sidearm with his right hand to an open Curtis Samuel. I have no idea how Curtis Samuel got was open. Uh, on that play, but they had a weak secondary yesterday. I told you before this game, I thought this could be a breakout game potentially offensively. The Giants were giving up a shitload of yards against the run. They had banged up. They had a banged up secondary. There was no Adoree Jackson. They they called up a practice squad player number thirty eight to play in the game yesterday, and they couldn't. They couldn't score a lot of points. But on that last drive, I mean. Amazing with him, there always seems to be a chance. You know, the guy didn't do anything for pretty much most of the day. You know, he was the typical roller coaster ride. Couple of good plays, couple of bad plays. The offense couldn't score again. They had 13 points. Before that final drive that, that tied the game, he was 18 of 28 for 165 yards, and he had been sacked four times. He had a fumble on a pressure that led to the Giants' touchdown in their lead, 20-13. to 13. He had another fumble that his center recovered. And yet, when they took over from the 10 needing a touchdown, I had confidence that he, would, he was going to make plays. That's who he's been. Let's not try to act like yesterday was like a new thing. He's done it three times this year. They have two wins and a tie, in essence, because of four plays that he's made in three games this year. The third and nine throw to Terry McLaurin was probably the biggest play in the Green Bay game in the first game that he started this year. If they don't convert that, Green Bay gets the ball back down two with plenty of time to go down and kick a game-winning field goal. In Indianapolis, they're down nine points in the fourth quarter. They've got two drives left, and on both drives, he converts fourth down plays. A fourth and six on the drive that ended in field goal. If he doesn't complete that pass, it's game over. And then the fourth and two when he flushed right and he was really poised and he didn't run because he wouldn't have made it, but he threw a ball to Curtis Samuel. You know, everybody focused on the 50-50 ball to Terry McLaurin. They're never in that position if he doesn't convert those two fourth downs. 
So without those two plays, they don't beat Indy. And then yesterday, they have no chance to tie the Giants if he doesn't complete that fourth and four. Look, you can go back to last year. Remember the Giants game on Thursday night in week two? He throws the pick to Bradbury, and it's like, oh, the Giants take the lead, 29-27. And then what does he do on the next drive? He drives him down the field. He's got a third and five, and he delivers to Adam Humphreys. And they end up kicking the game-winning field goal. I mean, Dustin Hopkins missed the first one, and Dexter Lawrence jumped off sides, giving him another chance. But then against the Falcons, they're down by eight. Two drives, last two drives of the game, touchdown drives. He's completing crazy balls, including that touchdown pass that won it to J.D. McKissick against the Buccaneers last year. They're clinging clinging to that lead, 23-19. to And they go on this 19-play drive to run the clock out. Three-third downs on that drive, he converts. The Raiders game, he nearly throws a pick to end the game, but he didn't. And then he comes back and he completes a couple of balls. They're in field goal range, and they went on a walk-off field goal 17-15. to I mean, this is who he has been. There should be no talk of change. I understand his limitations. I understand the roller coaster nature of these games. I understand how lucky he seems to get on a lot of balls that could have easily gone the other way. But this guy is as fearless as it comes as a competitor. And the the, the bigger the spot, the more that people think he can't do it, that's when he actually does it. He's been doing that. There are two big benefits to having him out there, probably three. One is he knows the offense. Much better than Carson. Logan Thomas was on radio with me last week and essentially said it's a tough playbook and one of the real benefits of having Taylor out there is he knows the playbook. He's been in it for four years. You know, and he kind of implied that Carson was struggling with it a little bit early, um, earlier in the year. Um, Number two is, you know, his mobility. Number three is he just rarely shrinks from a big spot. Even if sometimes the reason they're in this spot, being down and needing a few plays, is something he did earlier in the game. You know, it's the arsonist fireman thing. Um, but man, the drive yesterday, I, I just thought I thought he was going to do it. I really did. Um, I cringe. I cringe at times watching Taylor, like many of you. I do. The ride's never smooth. But you guys that don't like him, Tommy and I had this conversation last week, remember, and I said, I think the issue is that people just want to be right. You know, all the Carson Wentz people, they were screaming at people like me saying, you know, get on board or get out. That was essentially the message. And it's like, no, that's not going to happen. I'll say what I think and how I feel. And if I change my mind, then I'll say how I feel then with maybe a different perspective, with more data. But I didn't like the trade. I didn't think he was the quarterback of the future, even though I thought, you know, potentially it could be a little bit better than it was with with Heineke. I was hoping it would be, and there were more weapons at his disposal. But, yeah, I I get it, okay? I'm not sitting here saying, sign him for four years, he's the starter, just build around him. No, I do not think that that is the right call, and trust me, they're not going to do that. Um, But... Uh, you're the people that, you know, have been anti-Taylor and, you know, you've got to be, you got to be open-minded and call it as you see it, because what you're seeing is yes, a lot of bad, but with games on the line, some magic 
And that 90-yard drive in a minute 58 was magic. The fourth and four was another play that you add to the list that he's made. Um, Still, I did not think he had a good game before that drive. So I will share with you my grade uh, and my breakdown of his performance when we get to the game take. Um, So let's get to that right now. Pay attention. Here's Kevin's game take. All right, my game take is a list of the things that uh, I liked from the game, a list of the things that I didn't like, and many other uh, observations because yesterday had a ton of them. This is going to be a longer-than-usual game take. There was so much to it. Let me start with the things from the game that I really liked. Brian Robinson Jr. Um, They're right about him. You know, I've been saying for much of the year – I don't think he's as good as Gibson. Maybe he will become that at some point, but he isn't now. Well, he is now every bit as good as Gibson, if not better, and he fits what they're doing from an identity standpoint. They're a physical, run-first football team. Uh, The pile moves forward with Robinson Jr. Yards after contact, he's got to be way up there in the league, yards after contact. I haven't looked at the numbers. 96 yards on 21 carries, 4.6 yards per carry. It was nearly his second straight 100-plus yard game. He also had two catches for 15 yards. One of them, he should have gotten nothing out of it. He got five out of it. He had a couple of stretches in the game that were so impressive. Um, There was the stretch after the Giants had taken the lead 20-13 to in the third quarter. He ran three straight times, five yards, 12 yards, five yards. Then he gave way to Gibson, who ran for four. Then he came back in on a third and two and ran for two. You know, that was, a, that was an imp- uh, impressive stretch by, by uh, Scott Turner. Called six straight running plays before a false start by Logan Thomas. Logan had a rough day yesterday. He had some penalties. Um, there was another stretch, too, end of third quarter into the fourth on a drive that ended with Joey Sly missing a field goal. Robinson had three carries for 20 yards and then picked up a third and one. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. on the list of things that I liked. By the way, I liked the way Gibson ran, too. You know, he was questionable coming into this one. Um, didn't get a normal uh, number of touches for him recently, but was still nine carries, 39 yards, two catches, 20 yards. That's 11 touches for 59 yards. That's, you know, nearly five and a half yards per touch. So, um, you know, his uh, his best run of the day uh, for Gibson, there was a play where he was caught in the backfield for a three- to four-yard loss and amazingly got back to the line of scrimmage. But, man, Robinson Jr. has become part of what they are, you know, this physical smash-mouth team. You know, it's if you like this kind of football, they know who they are, and Robinson Jr. is a big part of it. And that's why I don't think the conversation about – uh, Carson Wentz is ridiculous, even though I'm not for it, and I don't think it'll ha- happen. Not you know for for a week or two. You know I'm all for sticking with the guy that's creating some of this magic, um, and the guy that knows the system better, and the guy that's a little bit more mobile. Um, but Robinson Jr. wasn't there early in the season. You know, if not for what happened to him in August, maybe he would have started the season off this way. Maybe they would have realized this is who they were, even though Carson had more arm strength than anybody that they've had in a while. On the list of things that I liked also, Deron Payne. He has become one-on-one impossible to block. 
He's one of those five to six guys, you know, maybe it's more than that because it seems like the list is growing of really good um, interior defensive linemen. He's just completely unblockable. He's so athletic. He's so quick. The sack on the second drive for him, they one-on-one him with that guy Glowinski. I mean, the, the poor dude did not have a chance. Quick hands and then all of a sudden just an acceleration to Daniel Jones. Jones had no chance. He stuffed uh, Barkley a few times, once for a three-yard loss in the second quarter. He was fourth in the league, tied for fourth in the league in TFLs, uh, tackles for loss. John Allen was third. I think Montez was uh, eighth. Sweat, by the way, uh, had a concussion, we think, in the game yesterday. Uh, But um, he had two more TFLs yesterday. Okay, He had two sacks, including the biggest of the two sacks, the one in overtime on the Giants' first drive where they had the third and five that forced the punt. He's got a chance to be in the top four or three in tackles for loss in the league and to end up with double-digit sacks for the season. He's at eight and a half on the season with four games left. They're really – you can name right now John Allen and Terry McLaurin, who you would say are – Pound for pound, the two best players on the team. And then after that, Deron Payne is at the top of the list of the conversation about who's third. They've got to figure out a way to get him back because the combination of he and John Allen is just too good. Allen had a good game too. I wouldn't say it was his best game, but it was a good game. He had a a, a big three-yard tackle for loss on Barkley in overtime on the Giants' first drive. He had a good pressure on that pain sack in overtime as well. Plus, he's the one that stripped Daniel Jones on that opening drive fumble. Uh, John Allen had a good game. I thought Cam Curl and Jamin Davis had good games too. They, They stood out to me. I love Curl at the line of scrimmage. He's a tackling machine. He's aggressive. Davis is uh, as well. They both had double-digit tackles. They're an excellent tackling team right now. They're disciplined. They're tough. They're a good tackling team. There was one play where Curl had the the tight end Hodgins, Hodgins, I think it is, on a third and 10 right before the end of the first half where they let him get the first down. He slipped out of there tackle um and got to got to the first down but that is that is the exception to what is the rule right now which is really good tackling and really physical at the line of scrimmage um on the list of things that I liked Terry McLaurin uh I mean I could just leave him on this list every week I mean unless he's going to drop start dropping balls which doesn't seem possible <clears throat> he just runs such great routes and they were clearly steering the, the the coverage that they had towards him um, because they were hurting yesterday in the secondary. He just runs great routes. He catches everything. He's great after the catch. He's an easy target. He's got great chemistry with the quarterback. Eight catches for 105 yards with the touchdown um, on that one, one-handed catch on the what I thought was a great play by Taylor. I mean, some of you said, well, Sheehan, because I tweeted it out. The ball was behind him. Did you see him escape? the sack and get out of there and sling it sidearm. All he know he knows all he's got to do is get it anywhere in the catch radius for Terry and he'll pull it in. Thought that was a great job by Taylor. Um Terry could have had the ball at the end of regulation that was just a little bit outside. It was catchable, not not a great throw by Taylor. The defensive pass interference flag that got picked up. Uh, personally, I didn't think that that was a terrible call. I think it was pass interference. 
I think it was underthrown, which was part of the problem. And they deemed it, you know, almost uncatchable. I don't know how you would know that. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of screaming about how they were completely screwed on that play. I don't know about that. Um, I've seen I've seen flags picked up with even more contact before. I think if the ball had been thrown closer to Terry, they would have never picked it up. Uh, Jahan Dotson's on the list of things that I liked. He had a uh, catch early first drive. Um, they 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 wanted to get the ball into his hands. You could tell. Um, second drive, first and ten play action. He's open for 16 yards. Yards. He ended up with five catches for 54 yards, and of course, the 28 yard touchdown catch run with the spin um, on that practice squad corner number 38, who they just torched. Um, you know, on that final drive. Um, but man, Jahan Dotson, and I mean, big time weapon. I mean. In all seriousness, he and Terry on the field at the same time could be awesome. Uh, Curtis Samuels on the list of things that I liked. Uh, six catches on seven targets for 63 yards. Of course, he had the catch on the fourth and four game-saving play by Heineke. He had three carries for 23 yards, but 21, 21 of those came in overtime on the run. That really should have put them in good position to win the game. They had a first and 10 at the Giant 44 after that run. Um, but, man, Samuel, McLaurin, now Dotson, got a lot of weapons. Um, also, um, on the list of things that I liked, well, the, ga- the game-tying drive, okay? Um, uh, let's go through that game-tying drive, okay? Uh, let, me, let me go through it play-by-play. Uh, play. So he throws the slant to McLaurin for four, 14. Um, he reads out coverage, hits Curtis Samuel over the middle for six. Uh, he had a bad play on that drive. He did, and he got away with it. The second and four shot that he took um, for Dotson, he's late on it, and number 44 you know, is right there, and he could have pulled it in for the pick. It was underthrown. It was not a good throw. He was under pressure. Uh, Ojolari, by the way, was, doing, was incredible in his return for the Giants. Um, but then you get the fourth and four. And, you know, the wow play of the game, you know, he gets out of trouble and he's flushing left and left and left and then somehow slings it sidearm to Samuel. I mean, just an amazing play. Then he's got the really good second and 10 throw uh, to Samuel. That was a a perfect uh, timing route, Uh, really good route by Samuel, good design by Turner. The ball's out on time and Samuel takes it down to the 28, and then you get the next play, the touchdown to Dotson, who I don't think was his first read. It looked like he was reading left to right, and he finds Dotson over the middle, and then Dotson makes the great run um, after the catch. Uh, Eight plays, 90 yards, game on the line, fourth and four he delivers. Um, He was excellent during that final drive. Uh, That's on the list of things uh, that I liked from the game. Um, also, you got to love the fact that the Giants hurt themselves a little bit. One play in particular, they've got the third and three at the Washington 45 in overtime. And I don't know what happened in the backfield with James and Barkley and, and Jones, but they totally mixed up whatever the play was. Looked like it was going to be some sort of read option, but who the hell knows? And Washington gets a stop. I mean, if you're a Giant fan, you had to think that you know the Feliciano taunting and then that play, you're in Washington territory only needing a field goal at that point, that you're in really good shape to potentially win the game. And they, they botch a, a, a play um, with clearly a miscommunication. 
All right, I'll uh, get to the list of things that I did not like and update everybody on the playoff picture, um, and then we'll get to Cooley right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. again under pressure. He was hit as he got rid of it. Question is, was the arm moving forward? Will the fumble change the cover? Uh, that was the first of two fumbles uh, by Taylor Heineke. The second one really wasn't picked up on by the game announcers, um, but it was a fumble, but it was recovered by Larson. But, of course, that one on their opening drive of the third quarter led to the Giants' touchdown uh, that gave them a 20-13 to 13 lead. Uh, all right, list of things that I didn't like, um, some other observations, including my thoughts on Taylor Heineke's game, and then uh, a quick update of the NFC playoff uh, situation. So third down distance, third down conversions, penalties, sacks, it kind of all went together as number one on the list of things I did not like. They were 3-for-14 on third down overall. Average distance on third down, nearly 9 yards. They had a third and 21. They had three third and 13s. They had four third and 10s. They had a third and 8. That's too much for this offense to overcome. Now, why did they have all those long down and distance situations? Well, sacks, penalties, Not enough yards on first down. They ran it on 15 first downs in the game for an average of three and a half yards per carry. Um, 
But really, it's less than that because they had two holding calls. One of them I didn't love on Logan Thomas. Uh, But they called six pass plays on first downs, and they averaged over eight yards per play. Um, They had some good offensive plays in the game, but too often they got themselves into long down and distance because of backwards plays like sacks or penalties. The biggest was on the drive that ended in the Joey Sly missed field goal. They had a great drive going with Robinson pretty much carrying the load. First and 10, 10-yard run. Cole Turner gets called for holding. It was definitely holding on Cole Turner. I think the Logan Thomas call um, was not a great one. The Cole Turner call was holding. And Robinson gets 10 yards on the play, and it derails the drive. All right, That was a drive that had already gone nine plays, 49 yards to the giant 25-yard line. And then they go first and 20 at the New York 35. You know, they're not so impotent that everything needs to go right offensively, but they really do need much of everything to go right. You know, they they are not incapable of making a chunk play every now and then to get back on track. But first and 20, second and 16, third and 21, these are bad situations for any team, especially a team that just doesn't really have big time uh, firepower in their pass offense. Um, you know, there was a um, a chance in regulation uh, after they had scored the tying touchdown, after the Giants missed on the deep bomb to Slayton, which he dropped, um, and the Giants punted it back. There was a penalty on Percy Butler for uh, unnecessary roughness on a, on the gunner who was running out of bounds. I mean, that's that's special teams punt, you know, return 101, dude. That was the difference between starting at their own 36-yard line and their own 12. They could have won the game right there. Uh, these penalties really become an issue, um, even more so, even more so when they're struggling to protect which gets me to number two on the list of things I didn't like. I didn't think the pass protection was very good at all uh, yesterday, even when they went max protect. Um, Taylor was under a ton of heat, five sacks on the day. Could have been more, really, if he hadn't escaped a a few of them and gotten rid of the ball. Perfect example of that was the play right before the fumble on the first drive of the third quarter. He escapes immediate pressure, and he throws incomplete to Dotson. Dotson was open, but he's rushed and he's pressured. Um, But that avoided a sack. I mean, there were opportunities for seven or eight sacks on the day. He took five. I think he held the ball on a couple of occasions. I do. But I think the pass protection, which just hasn't been good most of the year, um, wasn't really good yesterday against really um, a team with at least Lawrence and Leonard Williams, who they got lucky they didn't face for a lot of the fourth quarter because he was hurt. Um, and Wink Martindale, who really schemes it up, you know, and tries to confuse. It was not a great day for pass protection. Um, next on the list of things that I didn't like, defense gave up some big plays, you know, and nearly a few more. The deep shot to Slayton in the first half for 55 yards. I didn't think the coverage was terrible, but Holmes never turns around. Um, and there may have been a push off on Slayton, but it wasn't one that you know often gets called. Um, but there was a little bit of, of a push there. Uh, Barkley had some big runs at the end of the first half. Had a twenty yard run on a draw, then had the easy thirteen yard touchdown run. Um, and look, Slayton was open on the drive following the touchdown that tied it 
on a bomb that would have put him in field goal range, and he just flat out dropped it. I have no idea how he got behind or got that far um, without really being covered. Um, that's something that you know also should be on the list, which is you know the coverage maybe a little bit, um, but the defense gave up some big plays and could have given up you know a couple of more. Um, I thought Holmes got picked on a little bit by by the Giants, but you know not terribly so. But he did give up that touchdown pass to Hodgins on that in and out. Uh, here's something on my list of things that I, I didn't like. Second half starting field position was awful. They had five drives in the second half and in overtime that started at the 12-yard line or inside of it. Their average starting field position in the second half and overtime, the 16-yard line. How about this? Because I don't think I've seen this. Um, and I want to re- remind myself to, to mention this to Cooley. Their second drive of the third quarter, the one where Gibson waited for the kickoff after the 20-13 to 13 touchdown, he waited for that kickoff to go out of bounds, but it didn't. I actually thought it was going to bounce out of bounds too. Um, I don't really um, – I'm not critical of what he did. I think, you know, chance for that thing to bounce out of bounds and to start at the 40-yard line or the 35-yard line, whatever it is, uh, I thought it was going to bounce out of bounds. It didn't. They ended up at their own five-yard line. And then they ran a drive <clears throat> that was 11 plays in length and took eight minutes off of the game clock, and they punted from their own 43-yard line. Eight-minute drive, 38 yards. Never got into the other team's territory. I'm not sure you'll see that very often. I know they started at their own five, and there were penalties, and sometimes with those penalties, the clock continues to churn. Um, But while that drive was a really nice field-flipping drive, it's kind of hard to do to have the ball for eight minutes and never get into the opponent's territory. Um, here's something else on the list of things I didn't like. Not winning the game in overtime after the Samuel 21-yard run that got him to the giant 44-yard line. Um, that was it. That was the opportunity. They had to win the game. You know, all you need is a field goal. They get the really good Samuel run. You're at the giant 44-yard line in overtime, and all you need is a field goal. They run Robinson for three yards, and then the big play in that drive is the second and seven play where they go back to Robinson, and it gets blown up for a three-yard loss. That was a massive play. There's a missed blocking assignment. And Robinson, I think I think the three-yard loss is like the only lost yardage play it seems like he's had in a few weeks. And that set up third and ten. And they ran the bubble screen to Dotson. And it goes for one yard. Now, I think that's one of those calls, and we can get to um, a, a lot of the Ron Rivera decisions here. Um, I think a couple of things about that call. Number one, They didn't have their center at that point. They didn't have Cosme in the game, and they couldn't protect. And I think what they really thought they could get there on that third and ten was um, was you know field goal range. All they needed was, uh, by the way, it was to to Curtis Samuel, not Dotson. I was thinking about something else. Um, I think they're thinking we run the bubble. We've been successful at running that you know tunnel bubble screen. You know, Terry had a 12-and-a-half yard uh, on a third and 13 in the first half. And if we can get five, six yards, even if we don't get the first down, we can try the field goal. We got a guy that kicked a 55 and a 58-yarder in Philadelphia. If we can get the ball from the 44 down to about the 38, get six yards, we can try a 55, 56-yard field goal. I think that's what they were thinking. 
And I think they thought it was too much of a risk to drop Taylor back in that particular spot with a new center in the game and with Cosme out and the protection breaking down. Um, you know, if you want to drop him back and, and take a shot down the field for, for the first down or for, or for field goal position, have at it. Um, but I think they thought that they could get that with the bubble. So, uh, yeah, um, it's unfortunate that they got to the giant 41-yard line and, uh, you know, ended up second and seven there and just a few yards away from legitimate field goal position and they couldn't get it. You know, they, that's halfway through overtime and a, and a field goal will do it. Um, so that is the list of things that I did not like uh, from the game. Uh let me get to three kind of buckets of other observations. Um, the first is just some of these game-changing plays because there were several of them in the game. Um, next is some of the decisions that Rivera faced and some of the decisions Dable faced. And then lastly, I'll get to Taylor Heineke and my grade on him. So I wrote down the like five, six or seven literally game-changing plays. This game was wild from that perspective. The Feliciano, uh, the Feliciano ta- taunting penalty is clearly a game-changing play. The Giants are in field goal range. They probably get better field goal range, maybe. Um, I say probably. It's you know it's a maybe, but more likely than not, if, if they go for nothing, it's a 52-yarder for Gano right there for a 23-13 lead. And that's game over. Not to mention that they'll burn you know two minutes a clock. The fourth and four. Taylor Heineke play that we've talked about. Game-changing play. Game-saving play for Washington. On that final drive, 44's got a chance for an interception and doesn't come up with it. That's a game-changing play. Could have changed the game. It didn't. The drop kept Washington alive. End of regulation. Moreau has a chance for a pick. And and, and they're, they're one pass away from field goal range. And he can't come up with it. That's a big game-saving, game-changing play. Slayton dropping that deep ball really helped Washington. Um, Samuel on the bubble just needs five yards, and he only gets one, um, and they have to punt. The Giants had third and three at the Washington 45-yard line in overtime, and they had a a mix-up in the backfield with James, Barkley, and Jones. They all ran into each other. I mean, if you're a Giant fan, you're like, what the hell's Feliciano doing? Should have won the game there. And then we're third and three and we're on the move and our quarterback and our, our receiver and our running back basically run into each other in the backfield and we we can't, you know, we have to punt the ball there. I thought the Giants, by the way, might take the shot at going forward on fourth and three. Um, I thought uh, 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 Heineke being able to hold on to the football on that Thibodeau sack in overtime at the at the one-yard line. That ball pops out of there six or seven times out of ten. You know, he got hit blindsided. You know, and the ball was not – it clearly was secure. It didn't look secure at first. He had no idea he was going to be hit that hard and that quickly. Clearly a blocking um, issue there. Um, and then the Giants not calling timeout with the clock – I'm sorry – calling timeout with the clock stopped in overtime before the third and 10 draw to Gibson it cost him an opportunity for field goal range at the at the end now they might say well we had 10 people on the field or we were in a terrible defense and we were going to get picked apart there and we we called a timeout we 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 
that th- stopping the third and ten was more important um, than you know getting the ball back and having a timeout. But man, they could have used that timeout at the end. You know, they were they got a 58-yard field goal off. Imagine if they had had you know the ability to stop the clock and run another two plays or another play. Um, just a lot of plays in the game that really you know, really impacted the, the, the defensive pass interference that was picked up against McLaurin. Again, I don't think that's the worst thing I've ever seen, but I do think it was defensive pass interference. Um, in the first half, at the end of the first half, the Giants had a first down clearly on a pass to James. They marked it third and one. They burned their final timeout, and then somehow they ran the ball in a read option and then and then clocked it and kicked the field goal, which was inexplicable. Why wouldn't they throw the ball into the end zone? But really the point there was is the Giants should have had a first and ten. James clearly had the first down. I have no idea what replay was looking at, um, and they would have had three shots at the end zone. Um, lots of plays in this one, man. I mean, Washington's playing in these games and they're going to be several plays that really end up, you know, if they go one way or the other, uh, end up having such an impact. Um, you know, in, in order though, really at the end of the game, Feliciano's taunting penalty was a game saver for Washington because the giants, you know, had taken over at midfield. They get the big 12 yard connection. You get, you know, even if you get three or four yards and it's third and six and you throw incomplete, you know, at that point, it's a 47, 48, 49 yard field goal with Gano. And it's 23 13 and they've run, you know, another minute to two minutes off the clock. That play really could cost the Giants. I wanted to go through real quickly a couple of Ron decisions, Rivera decisions. Um, I thought. In the first half, when they were up 10-3, to they had a third and 13 that they ran a a bubble screen to to Terry McLaurin. He gets 12-and-a-half, pretty much on his own. He's so good. It's fourth and less than a yard at their own 34-yard line. Uh, They punted it. I, I, I really thought in that moment, I'm like, you're not getting stopped. You've scored on your first two drives. Don't punt. You know, get the first down here and keep the drive going. I mean, a sneak from less than a less than a yard, like it, it's like in the 97, 98% area, I think, when it's less than a yard. Uh, but giving it to Robinson wasn't going to get stopped, more likely than not, in that spot. I mean, he had been running it so well. They were up 10-3. I know they, they didn't want to give the Giants a bunch of momentum there, but they kind of gave it to him anyway with the third down stop and the punt. They, and when you get 12 and a half like that, it's unexpected. All of a sudden, you actually have a chance on fourth and less than a yard. I think he should have gone for it there. Uh, the fourth and four play, which we've talked about many times now, that's a big-time gamble by Ron. I mean, he's got three timeouts, 247 left. He'll have the two-minute warning as a fourth timeout. Um, he went for it from his own 27-yard line. That's it's a big-time gamble. I mean, and by the way, consider the Giants, I think, had punted on three straight possessions after their touchdown, which was set up on the Heineke fumble. So, yeah, that – that um, I, I think that was a big-time riverboat run gamble. It paid off because Heineke made an incredible play. But if they don't get it, game over. Uh, the not going for two was the right decision. There was too much time left. Uh, you know, people um, – when, when they say about, you know, that situation, and I heard a lot of it, uh, Ron should have gone for the win. It would not have been going for the win. It would have been going for the lead. You know, inside 30 seconds, you can say he's going for the win. 
you know, inside 15 seconds, you can definitely say you're going for the win. A minute 45 left, no, you're just going for the lead. You're not going for the win. The other team's going to get the ball back. Um, and he did the right thing by by kicking and then ultimately got the ball back. And if there's not a block, you know, an unnecessary roughness on the on Butler out of bounds, they start that last drive at their own 36-yard line. Um, the uh, fourth down in overtime after the bubble went for one yard, fourth and nine, I would have, you know, I, I wouldn't have gone for it there. I would have punted it. You're, you got your defense, you're going to pin them deep. Um, and then <clears throat> the third and 10 draw to Gibson at the very end of overtime, I think it was the right move. And I know there's a lot of discussion about this play. There was a dime, you know, there were six defensive backs out there and a linebacker who was in coverage. They're playing the sticks. I actually thought um, that the draw may have been their best opportunity to get the 10 yards. Maybe, maybe not. But it was going to be hard to drop them back and get it against that defense. Um there, plus the r- risk of dropping him back in that part of the field. You had already seen the first down, you know, sack that he amazingly held onto the ball. And here's the other thing, and this is the most important thing, and I don't know if they were thinking about this. First of all, the Giants had called their last time out with the clock stopped before that third down play. Idiotic. Um, I, sh- I shouldn't say idiotic because if they had 10 men on the field or if there was something that defensively was completely out of whack and they were like, no, we're going to get burned. They're going to get the first down. Then you call the timeout there. Um, but um, the fact that they didn't have any timeouts left, now you had a real chance to kind of not ensure but really increase the probability of a tie by running the football. Again, maybe it was your best chance to get 10 yards anyway against that defense. And then you can go for it. But a tie was better for Washington than it was for the Giants. You don't want a tie, but a tie was better than a loss. And I said on Friday, the Giants had more to lose in this game than Washington did. So the tie benefited Washington, in my opinion, again, because the Giants have a tougher schedule the rest of the way, and the rematch is in Washington. The Giants still have the Eagles twice and the Vikings and Washington. Washington now has the Giants at home, the 49ers with no Jimmy Garoppolo on the road, Cleveland with Deshaun Watson who looked terrible yesterday, and maybe the Cowboys in a game they don't have to win. So I did not have a problem with all of that said with the third and ten draw. Um. Anyway, <clears throat> so... There we go. Um, I did want to mention also that the end of the half, Brian Dable, end of the first half, that James play that was not ruled a first down that should have been, he then calls his last time out and comes out and runs a read option with Daniel Jones. What's he doing? Throw the ball into the end zone and try to score a touchdown. You, not only that, what if, 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 uh, if Jones had gotten stopped and it was fourth down with no timeouts left, they might not get the field goal off. That was a ridiculous call there. I don't know. Maybe he thought he could score on the read option. Um, All right, Taylor Heineke. And then I'll quickly go through the NFC playoff picture, and then we'll get uh, Cooley on the show. So let me start with this. I'll give him a B-minus overall because of that 90-yard drive and the plays he made in the fourth and four wow play, you know, which he continues to make those kinds of plays. 
Um, but if not for that final drive in that fourth and four play, this was would have been a uh, you know this would have been a C minus more likely than not. Look, he has some good plays, and he's got some of those plays where you're like, please, are you kidding me? The dude's wide open. Throw it to him. Um, let me go through the good good plays. <clears throat> First drive. He throws a nice th- ball to Brian Robinson on second and five. Nice throw to Dotson for nine yards. Um, second drive, he's got a third and five touchdown pass to McLaurin versus the Blitz. That's you know one of the best plays he made all day. Fourth and four was the best. But the third and five uh, in that spot, third and four, whatever it was, he ducks o- Ojolari, dips, he sidearms the ball. I don't care that the ball was behind him. The fact that he somehow got it into Terry's radius was amazing. Uh, that was a great play by Heineke, and those are the plays we've come to kind of expect. Um, as he, you know, he escapes, he ducks, and he goes off schedule. And Terry made a great catch, and then obviously runs it in for a touchdown. Um, I, there was a play on the fourth drive in the first half where Terry throws a twenty-yard dig to McLaurin when he can hit that back step and step into a th- throw rather than throwing it off his back foot, which he does a lot. It's not that he's driving the ball, but his timing is great, and he throws with good anticipation on those throws. And that throw is a perfect example of what they can get. You know, they can get those 15 to 20-yard digs, you know, where he's throwing with Terry just going into his break. And when he comes out of the break, the ball's right on him because he's throwing with great anticipation. I loved that particular throw. He threw a slant to Terry on the next play. He throws the he and Terry definitely have great chemistry and he knows where to throw it for Terry. Um there's a second and 13 uh hitch to Terry McLaurin in the second half, their second drive, really good throw uh by McLaurin. Uh by by McLaurin, by Taylor Heineke. Um there's a an excellent on that final drive, excellent throw to T, uh, Terry McLaurin to start the drive. We've kind of already gone through it, through th- you know through that drive, but I thought the throw to Samuel after the fourth and fourth four play was an example of when he when he gets protected, when he can throw with timing, and he doesn't need to drive the ball. That's when he you know can really deliver some good balls. That was a really really good ball. Um, all right, the bad plays, and there were several of them. First of all, first drive of the game, Logan Thomas is wide open at the five-yard line on the drive that ended in field goal. <clears throat> I mean, it, it, we've seen this a million times. Ball sails on him. I mean, it's it's five feet over Logan's head. He has no prayer. Logan Thomas is not only wide open, he probably catches it and scores, and it's seven to nothing. Um, terrible throw. Uh, next play, on the or two plays later on the second and goal, um, from down there because Robinson then had the big run afterwards where, you know, I think he thought he was out of bounds. He may have had a chance to score, but he was he was actually inbounds on that run. Second and goal on the throw he had to Samuel out in the flat where he gets tackled short of the goal line. That's got to be quicker. Um, he, he sees Terry running the corner route to the corner of the end zone, and he sees the flat corner laying on that. He's got a qu- – he hitched, and it got out to Samuel too late. Guy's clearly going to – if he's looking at Terry and then throws Samuel in timing, Samuel probably scores or has a much better chance of scoring. But it was late, and Samuel got stopped 
on the two-yard line. I didn't, I didn't like the third and goal play either. He's backing up in the pocket. You know, we criticize Carson Wentz a lot for backing up. You're seeing a lot of that from Taylor. You did yesterday. Because there was a, a pass rush. Um, there's a uh, couple of throws. There's a second and five sack on their third drive. He's just got to get it out quicker. He's got pressure, but he had a chance to get it to Logan Thomas. Took the sack. Um, there's a first and ten to Cam Sims on a quick uh, uh, wide, you know, sort of check down, and he just floats it out there and gets Cam blown up. Um there's a third and ten. Uh, the, the defensive pass interference, which I don't think was right to pick up the flag, but again, I think it's because it's underthrown. I think if the ball's on Terry or in his general vicinity, I don't think they pick up that play. Uh, the fumble to start the second half, it's good pressure. Ojolari makes a good play. Um, but Taylor's got to step up into that pocket a little bit uh, sooner. He's got to protect the ball. By the way, did you see him go after that ball? Man, he was aggressive. He lo- he unloaded on the first guy that had it and caused him to cough it up. Um, he had another fumble in the game. They thought it was an incomplete pass, but it wasn't ruled an incomplete pass. It was on that second drive of the uh, of the third quarter, and that one was a fumble. You can see it clearly. It's the one that Larson recovered uh, for them. Uh, Logan Thomas got beat badly in, in uh, pass pro on that. But Taylor's got to protect the football, and he didn't there, and they were lucky to recover that because that would have been a fumble on that play. He you know, took the sack before the missed field goal. He just held it too long. That's a big sack. That's an eight-yard sack. It's the difference between a 44-yard field goal and a 52-yard field goal. Now, to be fair to him, um, I, I maybe the all-22 will show that there was nobody there and he would have had to intentionally ground it anyway. By the way, the throw before that third and thirteen, he overthrew Dotson, who was open um, out in the you know on a on an out route. Fourth drive of the third quarter, he overthrows Samuel, who was wide open on a third and thirteen. It was almost intercepted by that guy Love. Um, Samuel's open. I mean, it's a touch throw over the linebackers, but he's open, uh, and it just overthrew him um, badly. Um, the the touchdown drive, I mean, we already talked about it. He throws a ball that number 44 has got a chance to intercept. It's just a bad decision. He was pressured by Ojolari, who had a great day, but you can't make that throw um, there because that could have ended the game right then and there. But, you know, that was after the fourth and, and four. Um, uh, or was that the play before the fourth and – a couple plays before the fourth and four. Uh, he m- more than made up for that one, but that could have been a pick game over. You know, on their last drive of regulation, he throws a ball up for grabs twice. He throws one to Terry, double covered, that Terry catches, but that 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 you know uh, practice squad corner number thirty eight, who was terrible, was baiting him into that throw and just jumped a little bit too late. Terry came down with it, but that was a dangerous throw. And then the throw to Cam Sims, you know, on third and ten, he puts it up for grabs and and. You know, you had Fabian Moreau. You know, b- b- had a beat, had had definitely a beat on it, and knocked it up into the air, and nearly came down with it on the ground. That's just not a good throw in that spot. Um, you know, overall, some good throws, some terrible throws, some bad decisions, couple fumbles, one lost fumble, but then he had this ninety-yard magical drive in a fourth and four play that we, we're not going to forget. You know, it's it goes on the list of incredible plays that he made to basically keep a game alive that ultimately was a game that they tied and didn't lose. I give him a B-. I mean, 
I know some of you are going to be like, you're insane. The, uh, no, I, I, I think, you know, things, certain things get weighted. And that last drive, you know, he made too many plays, including a magical play on fourth and four. B minus. That's my grade for him. By the way, I thought Daniel Jones was really good in this game. I thought he was really, really good. I think he's, you know, a keeper if you're a giant fan with Dable. You know, they just got to they got to put more weapons out there. It's him and Barkley. That's it. It's all they have. I mean, Slayton's okay. Um, they've got to get some receivers for him. You could see though that they were a better team, and I talked about this on Friday with some of their offensive linemen back. One of them was the center who committed the taunting penalty. All right, uh, let's get. Uh, oh, I wanted to real quickly NFC playoff picture. So, as it stands now, Washington's out of the playoffs because Seattle came back with that win uh, against the Rams. So they are technically in the seven spot at seven and five. Washington's at seven five and one. Look, the Giants, bottom line, they have the Eagles, and then they have Washington. The Washington game is massive for them. It's pretty much must-win for them, given their schedule of the Eagles twice, the Vikings on the road. They also have a game against the Colts. Um, Washington, you know, is going to need that Giant game for sure. You know, that's going to be a big part of getting to the postseason is winning this next game at home. But if they don't win it, they're not out of it. You know, at 7-6-1, and one, if they were to lose that game and the Giants, let's say, lose to the Eagles and they were to go to 8-5-1, and one, the Eagle, you know, the Giants still have another game with the Eagles and another game with the Vikings. And now the game against San Francisco without Garoppolo seems more winnable than it may have yesterday, early yesterday. They got Cleveland at home and Dallas at home to finish out the year. You know, 9-6-1 and one would probably do it for Washington. But you want to win that giant game. Remember this, too. Tiebreakers now, unless somebody else ties. The bottom line is the tiebreakers don't come into play for Washington unless the tiebreakers with New York, which it could be, which is why this game is going to be massive uh, on the 17th or 18th. Um, the Cowboys-Eagles uh, second-place finisher is a lock, really, to be the five-seed. Um, Tampa Bay, you know, whoever wins the, the South. And now the 49ers and the Seahawks are in a race because the Seahawks still play the 49ers, you know. And so now the 49ers maybe look a little bit more vulnerable with the quarterback issue, even though they are just dominant on defense. Uh, and they've got that running game, and they're so well coached. Seattle, they've got the Rams coming up to get to eight and five. So what you uh, – the Panthers, excuse me, to, to get to eight and five. So, you know, the Panthers game on Sunday – uh, with the uh, Seahawks, the Eagles-Giants game is a big game. The 49ers uh, you know, game we, now becomes more interesting. They play the Buccaneers Sunday. And let me give you one more team to keep an eye on, the Detroit Lions. Beat Jacksonville 40-14. to Smell test, by the way, another winning weekend, 4-2. And, um, and Detroit is, I mean, they are rolling. They've won four of five. Their only loss was to the Bills on Thanksgiving Day by three. By the way, um, they lost to the Dolphins 31-27 to before they got on this four out of five win streak. They were in that game. Uh, they blew out the Jags 40-14. to They're one of the highest scoring teams in the league. They finish Minnesota at home, Jets, Panthers, Bears, Packers. The Vikings game this Sunday is a pick em. So... Could Detroit run the table? They're good enough offensively to run the table if they stay healthy. Amon Ross St. Brown is a beast. So if they run the table, that's 10-7 and for them. 
Now, they, if Washington hadn't tied and had lost or won and got to 10-7, and seven, that would have been a problem because they lost to Detroit in Week 2. But you won't be in a tiebreaker with Detroit. Um, uh, but uh, Detroit's got a chance certainly to get to 9-8. To and eight. I mean, 9-8 and eight is a real good chance for them. And 10-7, and seven, who knows? But that's the team I would keep an eye on. Um, in the NFC uh, as a team that's playing awfully well right now, has a favorable schedule, including the toughest game they have on their schedule, being at home on Sunday against Minnesota, who for all intents and purposes has already wrapped up the division. They've got a five-game lead, you know, with five, with five to go. Uh, but Washington's still in pretty good shape. That tie hurt the Giants more than it hurt Washington. And the Giants game with the Eagles is huge. Really, for the Giants, they just got to get one of the next two. And if they were to pick them, uh, it would be against Washington. You know, because that would put them into a tiebreaker uh, advantage. But lots of big games to go the rest of the way. <clears throat> That's for sure, as I'm losing my voice. All right, uh, Cooley next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't forget to rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify. If you want to pause the podcast for 30 to 60 seconds and rate us five stars and write a one to two sentence review saying how excited you are that Chris Cooley is on the podcast today. Uh, We don't have a problem with that. Go ahead and do that. Yes, Chris Cooley is with us today. Man, you had a busy week last week. I know you were really sick and I'm glad you're better. Um, and I'm so glad that you're on on a Monday so you can do your uhs and mms from the game because you told me you took notes. I, I quit. I, I quit doing that. <laughs> okay. I don't like it anymore. Okay, well, <laughs> do whatever you want to do. I was sick last week. Being sick is the worst. Um, no, I missed Wednesday. I had to drive. I drove to Minnesota mm-hmm. and back, and then I promptly got sick when I got home and slept for a Kev, I, I, I was in bed for two days and a night. <clears throat> Didn't get out of bed. I bet you out of, what What do you think that is, 60 hours? You I'll t- bet you I slept 52. I bet I slept 52 of those hours. You told me that you fell asleep on Thursday night and you woke up and it was Saturday, like in the late morning or late <laughs> afternoon. I didn't tell you that. I woke up a couple times. Yeah, but you didn't get out of bed. Just, just to pee, man. I made my wife bring me soup. What kind of soup did she make you? Chicken noodle soup. Mm. 
soup is good. Yeah, mm, tell the third, tell the third bowl of the same like canned chicken noodle soup, and you're like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> you like how I did that? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. Mm. Um, you sound better than you did when I talked to you yesterday. So it sounds like you're on the men, but you can hear it in your voice. You're still not a hundred percent, but you watched the game yesterday. Maybe the fact that you were ill allowed you to stay in and watch football yesterday. Is that what happened? I did watch, I did watch the game. Uh, I had some things with the family after the game that you want to talk about. And then I watched the worst finish. Well, I watched most of the, the, the game last night until it got so out of hand. I mean, that's the great thing about Sunday night football. It starts at 7 o'clock for you in the mountain time zone. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I actually <laughs> I actually stayed up and watched it because I was kind of getting ready for the show um, this morning and the podcast. And the Cowboys, for those of you that didn't stay up and watch the game last night, it was 21 to 19 going into the fourth quarter, and then they scored 33 points unanswered in the fourth quarter of a game. I wonder what the record is. I, it, what's the record for the most points in the in a fourth quarter? I I don't know. Would Buffalo score and Frank Reich let the comeback? Um, here it is. It was just the third time in NFL history a team has scored at least that many in the fourth. And it was a little, yeah. So there you go. Um, Does it have the other two times? I'm looking for it, and I don't see it. Usually it has it in the game story. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, it it, it was a route. The Cowboys routed the Colts. The Eagles routed the Titans. And the 49ers lost Jimmy Garoppolo. So the three teams that I think most people had at the top of the NFC heap – you know, you've got uh, maybe Dallas and Philadelphia with some separation. Uh, Minnesota's just too bad defensively, I think, to really consider um, in that group, even though they could ultimately end up with the best record or the second-best record. They gave up 370 yards passing to Mike, Mike White a week after they gave up 382 to Mac Jones. Um, yeah, but Mike White's over 300 in both the last two starts. That's maybe true. Mike White's just stud. Maybe. But they ran the ball against them too. I mean, they had they had five hundred, nearly five hundred yards of offense. Uh, you know, the Jets did. Um, so I think you know. But by the way, real quickly, because the uh, the Panthers just cut Baker Mayfield. That just hit the wire. Would Kyle want Baker Mayfield right now? They've got Brock Purdy, who was the last pick in the draft. He played pretty well for Garoppolo yesterday. They have jo- they signed Josh Johnson. You remember the Josh Johnson that was here. Um, and in 2018 at the end of the year when they were going through Sanchez and Johnson and the whole thing. What about Mayfield running that offense? Yeah, I think they would be very interested. I don't know if they would be – if he would win the job. I mean, is he, is he going to come in and start for them? I, I don't know. But Mayfield played for Stefanski in Cleveland, which is essentially the same exact offense. Right. Like Stefanski is a Shannon. Like Mike knows Stefanski. They they would know. Kubi, it's Kubiak Stefanski, you know, a lot, right. A lot, yeah, they would know a lot about that whole deal, so it would make sense. Uh, been, you would like him as a backup. I'm, I would assume more than Josh Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, that, like, this is the craziest thing 
this 49ers thing is, is just unbelievable. Like that you can be as good as they've been with Jimmy Garoppolo over the past few years. And he's clearly not the best quarterback. My friend was watching the game with me last and the, not the Niners game, but he is a Niners fan. And we were talking about Garoppolo and both of us came up with the, where is he? Well, he's not, maybe not the worst six starters, but he's not above 20 and 19, 18. He's between 19 and 24. And they can be that good with that guy, but he's clearly deficient as far as an elite starting quarterback. And it's unbelievable what they've done to build that team to just be almost place and play at quarterback. And if they had a stud, if they had Kirk Cousins like they wanted a few years ago, if they had some pieces like that, they would be really hard to beat. You know, it's not that I'm a Garoppolo fan because I'm not. Um, I, I would say that you nailed it in terms of where he, you know, in, in the last several years with the great quarterbacks that were in the league. And now we almost have to redo the whole list because Wilson's not going to be on the list and Brady probably won't be on the list, whatever. Um, but the thing about Garoppolo is that he actually played pretty big in some big games. Like last year, the, down the stretch when they had to basically win, almost win out, to get to the postseason, he was big time in in games against Cincinnati. They won an overtime game against Cincinnati on the road. Um, they the game at the end of the year that they had to beat the Rams at SoFi. It wasn't really that much of a home game, um, but they were down seventeen to nothing, I think, in that game. And he brought him back, and he ended up with a big time game and big time drives. And then remember in that in that game at, at Green Bay in the post in the playoffs, it's like nothing happened until that final drive when they needed it, and he hit a couple of big plays. I, I I think he gets a bad rap. I what you said is what he is, but I don't think he stinks. And I'm not suggesting that he's not a starting quarterback. Yeah. So I think that's fair to say, but I'm I'm also not suggesting to you that I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to win you football games. Right. Not lose you football games is is also something. I think you're a competitive team, but with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think that he wins you football games. So do you think they're going to miss there's, him? There's a lot of stuff about Jimmy. I think that every here's the other thing. I think. I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is a leader. I know he's really well-liked. Um, I know guys like playing with him. I know the coaching staff likes him. Right. So if fitting into the organization at that role is also really important. So, so he adds that attribute as well. That may be why they don't yeah, go with Mayfield. I don't know Mayfield. if they're going to miss him. That may be why they just steer clear of Mayfield. Well, but have you heard about Mayfield and Carolina this year, I, look, what I've heard is that he's been nothing but the best teammate. Okay. Well, then why are they releasing him right now? I don't – I have no idea. I, I heard it on the NFL Sirius, so what do I – I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, maybe so the, maybe they're releasing him because they know they're not going to keep him, and at this point, why not give him to the 49ers? I don't know. I, I, I think that uh, – I, I think you're you're tied to Stefanski, and knowing Stefanski, you know, came from Kubiak, and Kubiak came from Shanahan's. That there, there, it might be an easy system for him to learn. And like you know, like we were kind of saying about Garoppolo, you know, he's he's not great, but you put a really good team around him, and you can do what they've done, which is go to a Super Bowl and nearly go to a second last year. I mean, they were within you know a, a, a Jacquez Tart dropped interception away from going back to the Super Bowl last year. 
That was the dude that dropped the interception, Mayf- right? Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Baker Mayfield asked for his release. Oh, he did? Well, maybe he wants... Maybe. He, was not in the, he, he is not in future plans. Uh, Carolina is clearly going to be in the running for a top pick, which will be a quarterback. He, that's not a good place for him to be. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> is it? Did, did he? Did he not just go? Oh, the 49ers will sign me. I can win a Super Bowl. The amazing thing about Garoppolo, like back to Garoppolo, and what what Baker's doing right now, and I think both these guys are in somewhat this position over the next couple of years, and I think Jimmy fits this. Not that Jimmy can't go and start for somebody next year, but Jimmy Garoppolo could go to whatever. Uh, Houston next year, and he could become Brock Osweiler in a matter of five minutes. Right, even probably more more than that because there's a background on Garoppolo, and pretty much everyone knows who he is. And if he doesn't play at least at the level of the good games at San Francisco, then it's going to be Kyle Shanahan that did everything, and Jimmy Garoppolo is just a guy, and he'll be done. I think there's a huge risk in guys like Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo going to teams like. Uh, Carolina or Houston. Right. I think really, if you look at these guys, if Garoppolo is really smart, he does what Odell Beckham's been doing the last couple years. And I know Odell was hurt this year, but wait till week 10, week eight, week nine, week 10, because they're better than most of the backups in the league. And then go find a team that needs a quarterback that can make a playoff run. All right. Uh, Everybody wants to hear what you thought of the game yesterday. So uh, the floor is yours. So I thought watching this game, especially initially, Washington's a better football team. I, I, I think they came out and they started to control the football game. And I, and I loved the first drive of the game that they came out and went tempo. I didn't know. I don't understand why they never went back to that tempo offense because I thought they had good success with some of the tempo stuff. Uh, but I thought they had the ability to completely control the football game. The other side of the ball on defense. It, Daniel Jones killed them, and without Daniel Jones killing them on the move in the early part of that game, they're in really good shape to control the entire game. Um, I thought it's crazy, you know, as you get just the overarching of this entire deal. I think the only way they lost or tied the ball game was they continued to beat themselves until they beat themselves into a position where they were actually playing to tie the ball game. Uh, and then what's amazing was I, a tie is a good outcome for them. I, you know, I. Why do you I say think that? I played well at times because I think the Giants. I think Washington should have lost the game. Well, yeah, I, you and I then totally agree. We haven't talked about this, but I said I thought they were the better team, and at the same time, if the center doesn't get called for taunting, they lose the game. And so the fact that they ended up tying the game was pretty fortunate. And, you know, there were multiple opportunities. I mean, Fabian Moreau could have had an interception at midfield at the end of regulation. That could have led to a field goal. The The Giants botched that, that zone read when they were in Washington territory in overtime on that third down. They They're, both backed ran into each other. Yeah. Yeah, both the wide receiver and Saquon Barkley ran right into each other. And, by the way, nearly crunched Daniel Jones right in the middle of them. But so I, 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 it sounds like we kind of agree. You started to say about Taylor Heineke what? I, like I, I think Heineke, he's, a, he's, it's, I, where did I write this down? I wrote it at the end of the game. 
Heineke's really good on the 18th hole at your course. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like a good golf analogy. I mean, he finds ways at times to be really good. I don't know if if it's magic, if he's lucky, if he's that good at times, but at other times he's not. And I, I think there are so many misses where they had big opportunities that he missed throws or got away with throws that they could have had to put themselves in a position to win the game. It was... It was a wild because it was an up and down game, but it was a slow game. And I don't, I don't know. I like you say, like all you got to do is keep Daniel Jones in the pocket. You know that all they want to do is get him out of the pocket. But it's still Daniel Jones is doing a very good job this year of evading, getting out of the pocket, and making plays with his legs. I agree. I thought he played. I thought he played I don't, really I don't well. think that the Giants. I like. I just don't think the Giants have anything to beat you as far as weapons. Not named Saquon Barkley. Right. So it's like, and they have to manufacture ways to get Daniel Jones out of the pocket. I mean, going back to early in the year, they played Dallas and had to drop him back a bunch of times. If he still survived, I don't know how. It was like, they can't drop back and throw the ball. And Washington was dominant. Their their defensive line, I, I felt, was dominant throughout the game. They did a good job putting pressure on Jones. They did a good job collapsing pockets. Um, they did a, a really good job against Saquon Barkley in the run game. Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen made huge plays. I think Sweat played well. It, it just Jones made the plays that he had to make in that game to get to twenty. Yeah, well, I mean, they, obviously, a turnover gave him the super short field for their only points of the second half. But yeah, I I I agree with you. I mean, I I, I think I kind of said it that you know I thought they were better, and I thought Daniel Jones was really. Um, exceptional in the game. And in some of the plays where he got away, he just barely got away. <laughs> you know, uh, like it was it was a real close call between a sack and him escaping and getting, you know, positive yardage. Um, the, I thought the, the most impressive run of the day for him was that third and four in the red zone before the touchdown after the Heineke fumble, where it was a quarterback, you know, counter or sweep. And he's out there on the edge, and he's so patient like a running back. And then he just all of a sudden accelerates through through the opening, and he's got six yards, and it's first and goal. Um, he's a really good runner. Re- they, they faced one last week in Mariota. Jones is a really good runner. And by the way, Cooley, I think he threw the ball pretty well yesterday. Well, he was at one point going into the fourth quarter, 15 of 16, and – the only incompletion was a spike. Was the spike. Yeah, at the end of the first half. And there were other opportunities that he had in that game. Where, yeah, he did. Like, he had that 20-20 to 20 going in. There was a blown coverage, and Slayton dropped one down the middle of the field. Oh, yeah. That was huge. That would have essentially been a dagger in that situation. Yeah, that was the end. That was 20-20. to 20. They, they, they took the deep shot. He was wide <laughs> open, and he, he dropped it. He put it on him. And that would have been field yeah, goal range. Yeah, they, they had... It looked like they were in like a cover three blitz, and somehow they miss it in the middle of the field. I, I don't know if Forrest didn't see it or someone didn't cut the crosser in the middle of the field, but they they blow coverage there. I thought was that uh, second ten or what, first and ten. That was the, first down. That, call, that was the, that, that was after the touchdown that tied it. That was first and ten play action, and he threw yeah. it deep and slate. They're bringing edge pressure. They're they're bringing like a corner blitz on that. I'm like, why are you bringing pressure right there? You're on first and ten. Uh, well, I mean, 
they didn't, you know, they they certainly generated enough pressure a lot of the day with four. But on first and ten, their play action worked and Washington's play action worked. They're, they're two similar teams with one exception is their quarterback just runs a lot more than our quarterback. I mean, jo- Jones is better. Don't get me wrong. Jones is better. I would take Jones tomorrow over, over Heineke. I'm not suggesting that I wouldn't do that. I'm just saying that the two teams are similar, although I just think we're better on defense. Much better. But By the way, the second down play yeah, that he and took and the that's sh- why I think Washington should – go ahead. The second down play that he took the shot to Slayton on, if he that's, – that's a bad throw because if he makes a good throw, it's probably interference. And that was to Slayton, too, after he'd run the bomb on the first play. He must be in good shape. Um, anyway, go ahead. You're talking about the last – at the end of the game there? At the end of regulation. The second throw to Slayton? Yeah. I, I thought Danny Jones did a good job – or Danny Johnson did a pretty good job of looking back on that Okay. Like right. He was making contact, but I thought he was doing a good enough job of looking back. By the way, on the third and ten, there was an obvious delay of game. They didn't get the ball. There was a full second at zeros with the no call. I, I missed that. Interesting. I, I, I just I wrote that down, and then I actually remember I rewinded it, and I'm like, this is – normally they'll give you the second, but there was more than a one Mississippi well, that third, like it was a second and a half. That third and ten, Danny Johnson makes a good play. He actually has a chance to pick it off. That was a risky throw. That was an that was an errant throw. Honestly, I was surprised they did that right there, and not just you know run a draw or a screen or see what. Yeah, I mean they're they're going down trying to win the game. He went. Yeah, they went for it in that spot. Well, I mean they should have had it on the first down play. I mean they had what they wanted. Slayton couldn't come down with it. Should have. Yeah, no, they they had what they wanted, and you know they believe in their guy Jones, and I like I like Dable. I think he does a good job. I think he's done a really good job with the Giants this year. Well, uh, they 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 add a receiver, and they're a decent team. Well, you use the term they're they they, they, they manufacture team, stuff for for that offense, and they do. I mean, they 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 seem to have overachieved all season long. I mean. Who, what are they? First of all, they've been banged up and they got healthy along the offensive line yesterday. But what do they have at wide receiver? My God, they've got nothing. Galladay doesn't play. They oh, dealt Slayton. They dealt Kadarius Tony. They've got Darius Slayton, and they had that guy Wandell Robinson who got hurt, who was producing a few weeks ago. Yeah, they they don't have a tight end. Bellinger's the tight end. He's a guy, right? They haven't had a tight end really since Shockey. Well, they had Ingram. Yeah. Ingram was a receiver. Yeah. So I have have some questions for you because I want to see what you thought of various things, but do you have any – what else do you have? Well, I mean, I have a ton of stuff, and I I think as we go, I mean, I I think that – I was amazed that Washington didn't win in overtime. They're – First possession, they get that huge run from Samuel. Yeah. It's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. And I don't – the third – is it third and seven? Third and ten. That's the screen or third and ten? Third and ten. Yeah. And they're just trying to get – I hate that call. I've thought about it. We talked about it for a minute last night because I said fourth and four. They didn't go for it. And I was wrong. It was fourth and seven, which fourth and I nine. would have went Fourth for. and nine. 
fourth and nine, I wouldn't have went for fourth and seven. Yeah, and they didn't. They but it. I, I I hate that call on third and ten. That little on third and ten. Why? They Terry McLaurin has won every single opportunity he's given a chance to win. He's won on slants. He's won on digs. He's won on corner outs. He had a chance late in the game that he dropped a corner. Was that overtime? Uh, no, that, that one hit him that, in the hand. No, that was in regulation. That was a little bit wide, and he almost came up with it. I thought it was catchable, but it was, was not a great throw. I want something run to field goal range, and then potentially catch and run to first down. I want to try to make a throw to get into field goal range. Well, I think that's what they were trying to do. Well, they threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. So I I, I'm talking about throwing the ball down the field at least five to six yards. Okay. Is, is the more I think about it, it, they've had success with those screenplays throughout the year, but they have not had dynamic success with those screenplays in a third down situation. They've had success in second and ten situations. No, they and had one early in the game. They, they had a third and thirteen early in the game that Terry got twelve and a half yards on. On the on. I'm just talking about really as I think about them throughout the year. Look, it's a call. Like I don't hate the call. I'm not saying I hate the call, but in rethinking the call, I, it's not one I would have made right there. Okay. Especially with the Giants make, making a point to protect preserving uh, the the kick field goal range. Like they're not going to play to, yeah. The sorry, not the field goal or punt. The field goal. But yeah. thanks for correcting me. Well, I didn't the kick. mean to. I was just saying field goal range. Yeah. It's kicks the kicks and a punt's a punt. <laughs> it's true. See, you never heard. Hey, we got to kick it here. Let you know, me the kick off. Let me play devil's advocate. But, so, so I just don't. But I don't like the third and ten. Like, I think that the one. Th- here's the other reason they call the screen, and I understand this because the center had been hurt and caused me the right tackle had been hurt, and I think that hurt that really hurt them late in the game. Right? I think so too. That was going to be part of my devil's advocate. I was going to say that there are a couple things here. Number one, he had been sacked, you know, four times already. Okay. The, the pass protection had been a problem all day in third and long. They were at that point three for 13 on third down, and they had not converted a third down over four yards at that point. You're at their 44-yard line, and a quick bubble, if it gets you four to five, you're kicking the field goal. You're then sending him out there for a 55-56 yard field goal. We've already seen him kick a 58 and a 55 yarder in Philadelphia, and so I think the drop back, even though a throw down the field potentially gets a first down and gets real good field goal position, I think they were concerned about the center Cosme, the pressure that had been generated, the fact that they had been absolutely shut out on third and long throughout the game, and that a lot of their screens, typically the screen to Terry, works well. But that one was thrown to Dotson, and all he's looking for is you know five yards. He doesn't need to get the first down, but if he can get that ball to the you know thirty-eight yard line, they're sending Sly out for, you know to, to kick a field goal and. It wasn't blocked very well. In fact, I think Terry missed a block on that play. If you watched it, I, I made a note of that, but maybe maybe I was maybe it could have been somebody else. Um, but I, I. But there's a lot of opportunities to throw a ball for, down the field for five yards without taking a sack. And here's the other part of this: it doesn't matter if you get sacked as long as you don't turn it over. 
you're punting if you don't. A sack doesn't kill you right there. True. You're not in field goal range. You, but you're five yards away from it. I understand that. That bubble, that bubble screen usually five gets yards. five yards. It usually does. I mean, is that a metric that you're measuring? I don't like know. Usually metric? I, it seems to me that third and long bubble screens usually don't get stopped for no gain or, or one yard. That they, and they needed like seven to get into field goal range. And by the way, the Giants had a point where they were in field goal range in overtime and didn't kick. So maybe their field goal range was uh, no. They they Fugazi they didn't they didn't get to the they didn't had. get to it. They didn't get to their field goal. They were range. within a yard of the that, line. That green line was that green line was bullshit. He the fifty eight yarder. They had it at, uh, had him as a sixty yarder on that on one of those drives, and he was short four yards from fifty eight. Well, the, maybe something changed from where they made that early. Maybe there was maybe there was a New York wind. <laughs> Well, you played up in the in the fourth quarter. You've played that stadium. I, I have played there. It, it it's can windy. change quick, and it can, yeah. I the the play that hurt them the most on that drive after the Samuel run is the only lost yardage run I think for Brian Robinson Jr. in a few weeks. It was second and seven. They're ready to pound it into field goal range, and he gets there's a total miss block, and he gets blown up in the backfield for a three yard loss. And right. and that that play was number number fifty three the the linebacker in Jefferson the safety, and that set up the third and ten. That, that that's unfortunate because it was the only time that really happened all day long. It happened to Gibson on one play and he got it back to the line of scrimmage. Amazingly, we all know he got toss where he yeah made like seven cuts. And exactly, like, he got it back to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> what are you doing? No, and I like like rethinking that is you got a new center in. Do you want to try to run the ball inside with Robinson, or like let's go with one of those motion back this way and swing the other back that way and throw it out to the side kind of deals on second down? I, I don't know. The, I mean, you can rethink this and replay this. It's, you're not expecting even a backup center to just miss a block or have have a bad mic call or. Yeah, I, or whatever happens, happens. But uh, you know, New York's not expecting a botch handoff on a third and two where they're going to go ahead and win the game right there. They just get a playoff. Right. Exactly. So shit happens on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, they had they had the ball at the Washington forty-five, third and three. You know, they they so they they were in that position. Um, and uh, they had it, uh, you know, they had a third and five near midfield on their first drive of overtime, and, and Payne got the sack. It just sucks because when when Samuel ripped off that run, you're like, oh, my God, you're at the giant, you know, you're in Giants territory. Game's over. And now Game's you're, over. you're basically, ten, you know, you're like five to ten yards away from, you're five yards away from an attempt, you're ten yards away from something that's definitely doable. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah, and you wonder, like, I, and I, I, I would doubt that they're thinking, okay, we got to get six yards here. I, I, I got to assume they're thinking, let's go score. I think they're thinking we are close to field goal range, and if we drop back with what we have and with the way they've been pressured, we might end up not having a chance for five yards and in, in a Joey slide fifty-five yarder, fifty-six yarder. Which would also be the same equivalent of let's go try to find a way to score. Is how how are we best suited to do that? Yeah. All right. So you brought up that. I want to bring up a couple of others. On fourth and four, the play of the game for Taylor Heineke, 
And as I pointed out in the open, I mean, it's not like it's the first time he's made these plays. He made two fourth down conversions in the Indy game. He had that third and nine throw to Terry in the Green Bay game. Like, he, this is what he does. I mean, it's crazy because, you know, he throws the near pick to Moreau um, at the end of regulation. And yet on fourth and four, you know, it's he's flushed, he's flushed, and somehow he goes sidearm across his body to Samuel. But that's not what I wanted to ask you about that play. Would you have gone for it there? They had all three timeouts left. There was 247 left in the game. They were at their own, 29, own 27-yard line. As I took notes during the game, before the play actually happened, my notes say, do not have to go. And then, (laughs) amazing, magic, off-platform, roll left, Mahomes. Um, No, I I think the the debate there is, is New York going to get a first down after we punt? Because you got to score, you're down seven there. Yeah. So you don't get the you're not getting the ball back and trying to get two throws to get in a field goal range to tie 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 a game. It, you need some time on the other side of this. That's right. And if New York gets a first down, they're flipping the field to the other thirty. So you got you're going to go well, 65, 70 yards. If they get if the they first, get down first down after you've called two of your three timeouts, you know you're it's bit, you're it's almost over anyway. Even though you still have the two minute warning, and you got to go, yeah. and you're still going to have to go sixty five yards or so, longer. Yeah. Yeah, but you so, had been stopping. Uh, yeah, I don't. Them. You had been stopping them. They had not. They I had punted on three straight drives. Four. I'm sorry. Four. Three straight drives. Well, I the just, previous drive, the drive that preceded the go for that on fourth down, was the idiot taunting call, which yeah, would have exactly. been the end of the game. That would have been the end. Yeah, that's that's the game right there for the Giants. That's why if you're a Giant fan this morning, I said you're like it feels like a loss. I compared this. Remember 2016? I think I think we were doing the show together, and they lost um, in Lon- they tied in London, but it so felt like a loss because Hopkins missed that 31 yard field goal in overtime. And I, I looked it up; there were 546 yards of offense, and it just felt like Washington was the better team, and it ended up in a tie. If I'm a Giant fan this morning after that taunting penalty, I'm like, it feels like a loss because that game was over, close to over. No, I, I hear you, but like, here's like, okay, would you go for? I, I think you go for it. You don't have to. I have no problem with going for it right there. None. No problem. If you told me that I'm going to need him to flush left for about five seconds and throw <laughs> sidearm down the field, and I'm not going to get something a lot a lot easier, I'm punting. Um, but no, I get it. I, the, the problem is, of course, if you miss, the game's over. They're going to kick a field goal. They're going to make you use your timeouts, and they're going to kick a field goal, and you're going to get it back down 10, and then you're going to need to score and then recover an onside kick. So I just – look, I, I mean, he, he, that was the game. He put the game on one play, and his quarterback delivered. His quarterback delivered. The, the quarterback delivered. Amazingly, though, like when you ask this, would you go for it on fourth and four? Um, I'm going to go to the previous drive that Washington had. Um, eight minutes in the fourth quarter. First and 10, holding on Leno. Uh, sec- first and 15 now, or whatever it was, an airmail throw, really risky throw. Uh, check down that you probably didn't need on second 15, third and 13, airmail, risky throw. Yeah. That one, Sam. By <laughs> the way, that, I mean? that, that, um, that third down, Samuel was open. 
I, he was wide open. Wide open. The next drive, a second and four, amazing pass breakup by Dotson, on which would have been a pick, or the game's over right there. <sighs> True, number so 44. You're like talking about like four or five bad throws in a row by your quarterback. You're like, yeah, let's go for it, time key. <laughs> but yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> it like, <laughs> he, he has a short memory. And, and then he hits he? that throw, and he, he hits that throw, and then he hits a big scissors throw or a big corner throw to Samuel down the field. And, Dotson again, Dotson makes a good move. He has a very short memory. He does not give a rat, no. as Joe would say. He doesn't. I mean, he it's... He does not give a rat behind. It's so true because number 44 could have easily picked that and it would have been game over. But the the one at the end, when they got the ball back and they were going for a field goal range and he threw the ball on third and 10 to Sims, which was basically a jump ball. First of all, the one he completed to to McLaurin into double coverage, the one in the flat where the where the uh, practice squad corner was baiting him into throwing it, and then he just he, it was just a little bit too high for him. And then the oh one, my God. and then the one though to, to to Sims. I mean that ball gets dropped, you know, bounced around a couple times, and if Moreau comes down to it, they're a completion away from field goal range. Um, but man, it doesn't matter. He he. I don't even think he can recall the play the next when he's in the huddle. I don't know what happened on the last play. I'm going to I'm going to flush left and I'm going to throw it Mahomes style to Samuel. Would you want him to do any different? No. My god, it's the my favorite thing about him. I Cooley, I said at the beginning of this sh- this show. I I swear on my kids and one of my kids was with me. When the taunting penalty happened and they punted and it was at the 10-yard line, I said to my son Corbin, I go, this dude, this is what he does. They're going 90 yards, and then they're going to go for two and win. Now, that's my next question for you. There was a minute 45 left. They scored too quickly to go for two. But I, but I, I, it's crazy for the people that can't stand him and don't think it, it like I don't know why people wouldn't like him. I don't think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he, I think they should be in total quarterback search mode when the season is over. But how can't you like the guy and the way he plays and the, the the competitiveness that he has and the fearlessness and the short memory? I love all that about him. Um, but um, what was I going to say? I don't know what I was going to say. I just felt like he would go down the field and and score on the uh, when when, uh, yeah, when that I- happened. I don't feel like it's fair to say he's not a good quarterback. He's, just, he's, he's limited. You got major limitations with him. He's got limitations, but he's got playmaking ability. Yeah, he does. But you're not going to win a Super Bowl if he's your starter for 17 weeks. <laughs> right now, he's six one and one. Well, he is, but he's on a team where the defense and the running game have led them. He's got to be careful turning the ball over. He, it, it was two sack fumbles, right? Yes. The second one didn't. They didn't catch on the television. No, they I, didn't. It, it was a fumble. Vilman never caught it. And no. Like I was amazed that they didn't notice that it was now third and sixteen instead of third and ten <laughs> exactly. on the second one. Like I'm watching it, and and Vilman's like, "No, that that hand's coming forward." I'm like, "Nope, that definitely no, isn't." Look, if that lineman marked. doesn't get on that ball, that's another sack fumble. Well, if you watch it, they, they didn't it, catch that at all. They never, they never caught it, or even. No, I mean they made the call as sack fumble on on in real time. I know it was it was a sack it, it, fumble. I went in the game book, is, I, but they never noticed it on the television. I know they didn't. 
I know, but but they should have when it when it became second and sixteen instead of <laughs> instead of uh, um, I mean it, when it became third and twenty one instead of third and sixteen they should have noticed third and sixteen. It was third and twenty one. This huh. because Larson you know recovered it. Um, the center recovered it. So anyway, um, a couple a couple questions here. All right. So I asked you about the fourth and four. Clearly, you don't go for the two, right, with a minute 45 left. I think that's obvious. Some people think. No, but I was so glad they scored early enough because I was like, yeah, well, if they go for two here, we're going to have a hard time getting a Washington cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had Washington laying the number, so you needed the overtime. Um, but uh, No, I just need, yeah, I just need, needed the Washington field goal. So, well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, all right, third and ten at the end of overtime the draw to Gibson from their own 10-yard line after the amazing play in which he somehow hung onto the ball on the Thibodeau sack, which clearly was right uh, an offensive line miscommunication of some sort. <laughs> of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> big, big miscommunication. Is that on Heineke? Is that, but they, I, I think it's offensive line miscommunication. Yeah. Because they don't check protections. I haven't seen them check a lot of protections at the line. I mean... They're mostly calling around protection-wise. Seven times out of ten, that ball comes, well, and, comes By out. the way, Robinson fumbled on second and second Yeah, he was, out of, he was out of bounds, bounds, though. He was out of bounds. Well, that ball, that ball could have bounced right back inbounds. Mm. Mm. It hit inbounds before it went out of bounds. Seven out of ten times, the quarterback fumbles on a sack like that. Is that the right percentage? No. No, that's clearly not the right percentage. What is makes them fumble seven out of What's the right what's the right percentage? Price two. Oh no. Come on. Completely uh, yeah. blind completely blindsided. With the ball it's loose in his hands. Poor job by the Giants not get, poor job by the Giants not getting the ball out when they hit him. But the, they hang on to it more times than than you thing. I saw Kirk take one two weeks ago that there's no way he didn't fumble. Just palmed it the whole way down. I mean, just got smoked. Somehow they do a pretty good job of keeping the ball in their hands. It's not two, but it's not two. Maybe it's not seven, but okay, it's not two. Let's call it, let's call it two, two, two and a half. Let's call it four, four and a half. We'll split the difference. Um, what did you think of the third and ten? To, to call the draw, which by the way, let me just remind you, and I'm sure you remember this. The Giants called a timeout before that third and ten with the clock stopped because that was the Robinson play out of bounds with the fumble out of bounds. They used their last timeout before that third and ten. Now, maybe it's because they only had ten people in the field or they didn't like the defense and they were, for, you know, whatever. And it was more important that they get the stop there. But that last timeout was crucial for them, obviously, at the end. But what did you think of the call on third and ten? In a lot of situations, I, I I hate that call. It's a play to tie. But in the situation they were in, a tie was probably fine. <laughs> and I don't like the prospects of dropping back and getting first down on third and ten unless you're saying, okay, here's the plan. We're going to drop back. We're going to have immediate pressure. Heineke's going to evade that pressure in some way, shape, or form. He's going to move right or left. Uh, at some point on the run, he's going to throw a floater to somebody magically down the field, and that's how we're going to get it done. 
If you're like, on the sideline, timing and rhythm. If you're on the sideline no, at that point, I, I, what do you? What's your call? What's my? I'm calling. I'm calling all slants. You're calling what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna all slants. You're gonna it's drop. A common third and long call when you, it's a not a real drop back. I mean, it's a rock and throw. You're t- you're reading one side of the field that you like more. You're throwing inside slant to outside slant, and you're throwing a check down to the back. It's not an uncommon third and ten call when you have pressure. It's not always a conversion. Um, a lot of times it'll end up being a six-yard catch in, on the slant. But I don't. in that situation, I don't feel like I can securely protect my quarterback to drop him back to throw it. Uh, I don't want to throw a pick right there. So I'm just going to go a four slant. Work one side or the other and just dump it to the back or ground it to the back if you don't have it. But see, that's the problem. The, but then you're but missing then the you're biggest downside. The exactly. Not, the incomplete, the clock. The incomplete passes is I'm a not terrible playing result. To tie. I'm not playing to tie. Why wasn't the draw against six defensive backs maybe the, your best chance to pick it up anyway? Draw's actually really hard sometimes against six defensive backs because you don't know where you're getting up to as an offensive lineman. Uh, it's hard to get guys to the second level at times when you have six defensive linemen like that. Six defensive backs. Six defensive backs like that when you don't have somewhat of a set defense. Okay, so the other part of this is that the tie was a more beneficial result to them than it was for the Giants. If you if you consider this, Giants have a much tougher schedule. The rematch of this game is in Washington. Um, and, you know, the, the, the I said on Friday, this game is actually slightly more important for the Giants than it is for Washington. Not that Washington's going to treat it like icing on the cake, but really the Giants having lost three of four and this one being at home, they, they absolutely have to have it. So I didn't have an issue with the third and 10 call. I would have really sweated him dropping back in that spot. You know, the, the slants that you run, that's fine, but you better complete it because an incomplete pass and now you've given them good field position and plenty of time to go get a field goal. I mean, hell, they ended up, you know, having an attempt at 58 yards anyway. Now, if they didn't ha- if they had one timeout left versus none, I may, throwing the ball. I may have thought about it differently. You know, because I'm punting it back to him. I'm choosing to punt it back to him and play for a tie, but it's not really playing for a tie because now they've got a timeout and my punter's going to have to get off a great kick. And, um, you know. Well, here's the other way of thinking. Here's the way of – there's another way of thinking about this, too, is if we can get eight on third and ten, we're going for it. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> You're going to go from fourth and two in overtime from your own 18 when a tie is more beneficial with for the, you? With, with, a, with a minute 23? Uh, if you, well, I guess if you if you incomplete it, now you're fourth and 10 and the game's over. So you got to, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, you got to run the ball. Well, you, 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 the clock stops if on a change of possession if you don't get it. I mean, I know I'm saying, I'm going back to my third and 10 idea. Well, they ran it for five yards, six yards. I understand that. You're not going for fourth and five. Okay. You're not going for fourth and two either. <laughs> if, you, you, if you and I are you, over, if I'm your two. clock management guy and I'm over there, I'm saying, no, punt. Let's, do, let's punt and, <laughs> let's, and let's try to hang on for 2020 because it's actually not a terrible result for us. 
Yeah, that's exactly what they did. I mean, in the first half when they got the 12 and a half yards on the on the on the bubble screen to Terry from their own 34-yard line, it's only 10 to 3, but I really thought they should have gone for it there. I mean, they, Robinson had been running right over the top of everybody, and plus that's a 98% sneak pro, you know, probability. It was like a half a yard. But fourth and two from my own 18. You are like full of percentages and numbers today. Not really, but I know this quarterback sneak it. number. I know the quarterback sneak number. The other was a guess. The, the, the fumble on the sack was just a guess. Maybe aggressive, but it's not. It was more than two, less than seven. I think closer to seven than two. Uh, and you know that the quarterback sneaks ninety eight percent, huh? I think it is on on a half on less than a yard. I think like it's if it's like a half a yard or less, it's something like ninety eight percent, ninety seven percent, something like that. Um, did you think when Gibson let the kickoff bounce that he, it was going to go out of bounds? That he was tr- he thought it was going to go out of bounds. Yeah, I don't think he understands how, how you um, circumvent that rule. But well, he wasn't and clo- make it go out of bounds. But he wasn't close enough to the sideline. Uh, well, he wasn't even going to attempt to do that, though. I know, but he wasn't close enough to pull for it off anybody that, that doesn't understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, tell him if you have one foot out of bounds and you field the ball, the ball is essentially ruled out of bounds. Kickoff goes 35. Right. So if he can if he can stand one foot out of bounds, one foot inbound then it's an out-of-bounds kick. Uh, but he was not – the ball bounced once, and it was clearly in. Yeah, I, I just – you have to go field that ball. The ball land, wouldn't land on the four-yard line. You have to go field that ball. I'm, it watch, four, I'm watching four, it again. He, he definitely – Four to five yards He's inbound. running up, and then, he th- and then he clearly thinks this is going out-of-bounds. It's going to bounce or yeah. into the end zone. Yeah, so he's, He doesn't think it's going to check up. No, he doesn't think it's going to check up, which it did. And then he did a good job of making sure that he, you know, was able to pick it up, but there was no room to run. But by the way, I actually thought that. Well, first, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say I actually think throughout the game, like a couple of thoughts of how they beat themselves. They again were not good on special teams. They have nothing in the return game. They have an idiotic personal foul on a punt where. Killer. Whoever was what? Percy Butler. Who is it? Butler. Butler's block it takes a shot at a guy running down the sideline. I mean, it's not like an egregious try to knock him out shot. But you can't block him when he's running out of bounds. They have to go back in as soon as they can, but don't go block him out of bounds. That backs them up when they really didn't need to be backed up. Well, it was the, it was the, um, it was the 12-yard line instead of the 36 on their final drive of regulation. Right. I I under, I backed them up when they didn't need to be backed up. Yeah, they would. They would have had a really good chance to win the game right there. They almost did get in field goal range anyway. But yeah, that was a that was a terrible penalty. It was it was an awful penalty. Um, didn't they have another block in the back on a punt return? Yeah, their average starting field position in the second half was the 16 yard line. They had five drives start start at the 12 or inside the 12. Here's something you don't. Yeah, and here's three, some, are, uh, three are dumb, dumb special teams mistakes. I, I want to tell you just about this one drive because I honestly and I, I emphasized this when I was talking um, about field position earlier. I don't think I've ever seen this before. The Gibson kickoff that he gets back to the five yard line. That that was after the Giants had scored to make it twenty to thirteen. Washington then goes on an eleven play, 
38-yard drive that took eight minutes off the clock. They they got they got to their own they they ran eight minutes off the clock and never got into the opponent's territory. They got to the forty three yard line and then punted after eight minutes of having the ball and eleven plays. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that. I'm sure it's happened, but not eight minutes. And the eight minutes is because there were a bunch of penalties on that drive where the clock continues to to you know, run. There was an illegal block on Logan Thomas. Um, I think there was a false that was, start. That was, did you watch the illegal block by Logan Thomas? I didn't think that was a good call. It was a, like, we're going to go back and watch film as a referee's crew and ask what we saw there. Yeah. Because that, that was a horseshit call. But the one on Cole Turner was an absolute good call. The one on Cole Turner was an idiotic play by Cole Turner. He got, the block had already been accomplished. Right. The running back had already bounced it. He didn't need to do anything else. What did you think of them picking up the defensive pass interference penalty against Terry? Where was that? Down at the goal line. Oh, I did. I, here's what I think. Terry McLaurin has got to act like he's been interfered with. He's got to raise more conflict in the idea that that is or is not pass interference. Uh-huh. He just ho-hums it. And he did not even throw an arm up. I thought it was pass interference. Well, it got called. It, and then they picked it up. And then they picked it up. If Terry McLaurin throws his arms up and goes, what the hell? It doesn't get picked up. If the ball gets thrown well, anywhere. He didn't act like he was. But he's interfered with. One way or another, he's interfered with. That's, that is pass interference by, by rule. But I've seen I've seen worse not called, and I've seen worse picked up. I said my point was this: I think they just looked at it as an uncatchable pass. It was so underthrown. It and well, yeah, and, and that if the ball had been in the vicinity of McLaurin, that they would have never picked up that flag. Yeah, it's hard. It's really really hard to debate what he can come back to and get, and what he can't get. True. It's different sometimes when it's so completely overthrown. But when it's underthrown, it is one step and lunge, and you can get back to a ball pretty quick. He could have got back to that ball without the interference. I don't think it was – there's no way I would deem that as uncatchable. Right. Um, I just think that if the ball's put better, if it's not so underthrown, the referees would feel the same way. Here's another one for you. The end of the fir- uh, yeah. the end of the first half, the Giants are you know um, down. There, there was a play that they got screwed on. Um, they they had they had a play where they threw the ball to their receiver James, and he clearly got the first down, and they marked him short of the first down. And it, uh, the obvious first down. Obvious first down. And on, and they and the Giants use their last time out. Well, it's third and one, and it's not an, a first down. And for whatever reason, the booth did not overturn it. I went back and looked at that play three times. It's not even close. Like, he's a half yard beyond. And I'm not looking at the yellow line. I'm looking at the stick because it was on that sideline with the stick. And so they they got screwed on that, the Giants did. So and, what? 
But so why run the ball on third and one? Because well, all you're going to do is get a spike and a, and a well, kick. You have to throw the ball to the end zone. Of course. What were they doing? Did they think that the no read idea. option? Did, did they think the read option would open up and he'd be able to run it for a touchdown from from ten yards out? Well, well I don't know, but Jonathan Jonathan Vilma says at that point the offense really runs through Daniel Jones, and they do a really great job <laughs> of getting a first down here to get the ball, and then Jones does a great job of spiking it to get the field goal unit out there. Like, <laughs> I know, but, uh, but no, you missed the point. Picked on third and one. Like, yeah, good job, Vilma. Um, how about we want more points? <laughs> I have no idea what they were doing right there. I mean, if you're go- if, if he you're- wasn't going to score. If you're going to kick the field goal, if that's your plan, then just kick the field goal. Don't risk that you get stopped short. Imagine they get stopped short and they've got to go fire drill to get the, the field goal team out there. Like, it's it's a, it's a stupid play. But the truth... Uh, it's an idiotic play. But the truth is that they got completely hosed because that was absolutely a first down. He did. I don't understand how we're not looking at those. I don't either. Uh, I'm glad they didn't, but I don't know how they didn't look at that because that's first and goal at the 10, and then they get three throws to the end zone uh, before a field goal attempt. And I didn't think Washington did a great job of covering yesterday. I, I, I would say that it was pretty average job of covering. Here's, Here's another one for you. Okay. Uh, before Washington misses a field goal yeah. in the third quarter, mm-hmm. I think he takes a fucking sack. I know. I thought he held it way too long on that one. I, I can't wait for your. You if you're can't take filled. a sack right there. Nope. I. I, I mean, it's on a, with with the second, like here. This is actually my thought progression to this whole thing and what they are on offense right now. I will sum up what I think they are on offense right now. They are a team that can physically run the ball, but they don't run it with the back that can hit the home run, and so essentially. Right now, you are going to hit single after single after single, and maybe Robinson is going to take a big turn as he rounds first, and someone's going to kind of bumble one in the outfield, and you can get a double. <laughs> uh, might be an error double, but like, you're not getting runners in scoring position, and you're not a good bunt team either. <laughs> but, so when you can't hit a home run like that, and you really don't have the big play dynamic and I, there are times when you've seen a little bit of it, but they don't, and it, it means everything has to go right. And so that means that Cole Turner can't have a hold and kill a drive, and your quarterback can't take a sack and push you far enough back that there's a potential missing field goal. And there's too much – like the way they're building it, I like the way they're building this offense. Um, but Robinson still doesn't have that dynamic home run threat. I also really think that as he's running the ball better, he is way too fucking passive on second and one, second and two. And he's just trying to get first downs. Like, dude, that is where you hit the home run. When they are coming up in the box and they're playing another guy in there, if we can just hit it hard and not just lean into getting the first down, which if you pay attention on second and one, he does not hit it hard. That's interesting. He hits it to get the first down. And Mm -hmm. he gets the first down. And I appreciate that he's getting first down. But at some point, he's going to have to say, let's hit it hard and let's see if we can bust one here. Because right now, I don't think, I don't recall offhand him having a run over 20 yards this year. One or two? <clears throat> is there? He's got a lot of eight yard runs, and I appreciate that. But right now, Robinson does not have that busted ability. So you're never going to dictate coverage, and you're never going to change the way they're playing you 
And if I'm playing them on defense, I'm going to say at some point they're going to make a mistake on this drive. I'll just force them to make a mistake. I'm never going to give them the big play. In as much, I also think yeah. – Go hold on one second. I also go. think that there, there are some of those, those edge plays, um, some of the swing pass stuff that I don't I – ha, I like that we're getting Robinson involved. I think he's a good player. But Gibson needs to be involved more in some of those edge plays. If we're going to run misdirection swing stuff, that's Gibson. Gibson has the ability to bust it. We have to try to scare the shit out of the defense every once in a while. And Robinson, I promise you, does not do that. Robinson is, you know, bring your big boy pads, and we've got to make sure we tackle, but he's not Derrick Henry. Like, he's not going to juke the next, the third level. He's getting tackled. And so, to me, they're going to have to hit single after single after single after single, and we cannot have a strikeout, and we cannot hit into a double play. Yes. And it's just we're not good enough to not hit into the double play. So, number one, um, you're 100% right, and I talked about the fact that you know, what's interesting about the way they're playing is that we've always talked about identity. This team actually has an identity. They're really physical, and they're good tackling uh, defense. They're good defense, if not a very good defense. And they are a run-first, physical, smash-mouth offense. And what's made them that is Robinson Jr. My observation on, on Robinson Jr. after the last two games is I think they got it right. Um, I was earlier in the season, as you know, I'm like, I think Gibson deserves many more touches than Robinson Jr. I think he's much more decisive. I think he's faster to the hole, has been the last two weeks. And my God, does he bulldoze people. Now, I agree with you. He's not a home run threat. Now, I could see him breaking off, you know, a 25, 30-yard run after he runs over three people. But this is who they are. This is what they want to be. They want these games are going to come down to a couple of plays. Their defense is going to lead them. Their running game is going to be second. And as long as they don't commit a bunch of mistakes, they're going to have a chance to go to the postseason without being super explosive or dynamic, other than yards after catch with some of their receivers. Because Dotson is dangerous, as we saw. Terry's very dangerous. Samuel's dangerous after the catch. And Gibson is dangerous. Gibson, by the way, almost didn't play this week. So that may be part of the reason. He had 11 touches in the game. um, But Robinson ended up with um, 23. Uh, Gibson was uh, questionable coming into the game. He got hurt at the end of the week. But, um, put Curtis Samuel back there and do some of the stuff with Curtis Samuel because he did a good job running the ball at times too, and he has that doubt, that dynamic threat. And you can also use him as a receiver out of the backfield. I'm more impressed with Robinson but, but, like, Jr. than I was a few weeks ago, though. I will agree with you that I, I I do think Robinson Jr. is clearly getting healthier and he's clearly more comfortable, but he also clearly has not shown any ability to hit it out of the ballpark. Yeah, he had a sixteen-yard like, run yesterday. He, he doesn't get very many doubles. Right. No, but those singles, you know, those singles he, he are hit. Craig Biggio. Those singles are hit hard and sometimes into the gap. But like you said, he rounds hard and then he's got to go back to first. <laughs> no, I like the exit velocity, but the the, the angle. <laughs> yeah, I, but the, what I'm saying is, is, is it's going to be a problem for them to score a lot of points without other teams making mistakes. And you can say, hey, we won't beat ourselves, but then you're going to get these horseshit blocking calls on Logan Thomas where he does a good job blocking, gets hit in the back, falls down, and they're calling an illegal block. Yeah. It's like you also have to count on an official not making a, a referee 
aligned to like everyone else not making mistakes. I know. I mean, but that's who they are right now. You're not if if you start trying to be more explosive, you're going to end up with even more trouble. You know, yesterday, yesterday was one of those days. They've had a couple of the days. It's weird because yesterday they, they ran 82 offensive plays. I understand there was overtime and had a 13 minute time of possession advantage, but it was their starting field position. That was the problem. And it was these, the penalties. And I, I, I ripped this off. Where's this? Um, uh, let me just re- give you these my notes on this. This is what they had in the game. They were three for fourteen on third down. They had a third and twenty-one, three third and thirteens, four third and tens, and a third and eight. They didn't make any of them, and they're not going to. This is to your point. And yet, yesterday, playing the way in which they're trying to hit singles, they still had a chance to win because they got a fumble on the opening drive from Jones. Um, and then they got that one drive at the end of, of regulation. It, it was, I mean. No, I know. Well, here's how you hit singles more efficiently if you're Washington. And, and this is how they started. They started the game off with tempo. They started the game off with a no huddle. They never went back to it. They've done a little bit of no huddle and hurry up here and there, but it's not like consistent unless it's the final two minutes. I know. But <laughs> if you really want to wear some, and, and I'm sure they, New York, they made them work. But if you really want to wear them down and you want to hit a lot of singles and you want to turn those into bigger plays and make the make the other team make mistakes, then play faster. And I thought that throughout the entire game. I thought I kept I wrote tempo question mark tempo question mark. Um, Washington drive seven. Uh, why don't we stay tempo? Get back to tempo because really you're you're a better team i I believe that washington's a better team and in watching the game play out i believe very obviously that washington is a better football team so your goal should be to run way more plays than the other team if you believe you're better let's run a lot more plays and i understand you can give me the numbers on the plays they ran on time of possession i get that they did efficiently end up running more plays 82 to 65 but the but the attempt early throughout the game should have been if we're going to take three and four yard runs, a lot of the time, let's make them faster. Right. Let's go. Get on the ball. Let's go. Get on the ball. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And then New York's defense is going to get tired seven plays into a drive, and then you're going to start hitting those bigger runs. You know, Cooley, they had chances on the opening drive. He's got Logan Thomas wide open at the five yard line and throws it ten wide feet open. over his head. He okay. So it's not like they haven't schemed up some opportunities to get more points here over the last several weeks. He's inaccurate um, and sometimes doesn't see it and sometimes holds it. Um, but I, uh, I hear you. Like I, I kind of feel like him, especially with tempo, it kind of brings out some of the you know some more of the baller in him because it would, it, we typically see now. I know defenses change, et cetera, um, but. Um, what happened there in in the final few minutes? No, they weren't necessarily. Well, they were. They were tempo. Um, but man, what a drive that was! What a freaking drive! Well, the that tempo was. also they lo- they they love run action at a gun, and the tempo really. The no tempo exaggerates that 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 isn't a run play when you have time to sit down and stop. Right. But the tempo allows you to run more run action plays at a gun the way they want to run them. All right. Um, what else you got? Anything else? Did you watch Cincinnati yesterday? Uh, I did. I mean, how do you watch another game? I don't. I don't understand that just yet. Okay. Without like going back and watching another game. 
Um, I know what happened throughout all the games in the early part of the day, but I, I watched the Washington game. All right. Well, the Cincinnati game was. Late. I maybe need Six more Cincinnati games. Oh, yeah. I, was it late? It was later. Game? Okay. Yeah, I had to go get <laughs> e rental. I know. Um, oh, I wanted to tell oh, you one other. I, per- I can only get away with. I wanted. To, I day. wanted to tell you one other. Two, two things. One, Samaj P. Ryan's become a really good back for Cincinnati with Mixon. He, he sure has. I mean, uh, yeah. For those of you not following, he, he was over a hundred yards yesterday. He's had some really big games. He had three touchdowns a few weeks ago against Pittsburgh, um, and uh, uh, I remember Jay Gruden would always say, "I kind of like Samaj." Um, the um, the the Chargers, for whatever reason, I, I I just think that this coach has to go. They have way too much talent, and I know that they've been just racked with injuries all year. There, there's just something. There's a disconnect there. I mean, they're six and six. They're better than a six and six football team. Um, and I know a lot of the losses have been close. Um, by the way, in that game late, uh, Josh McDaniel did what I what I uh, I think I talked to you about. I forget if it was you or not. Um, at the very end of the game, they had a fourth and two, and they were just letting the clock. It was like less than thirty seconds left, and they were going to punt it basically from the Chargers' forty yard line. And the Chargers had no timeouts left, down seven. So the chances of them scoring, I mean, the game was for all intents and purposes over. But you know. At the at the Charger forty yard line, fourth and two, he's gonna punt, and he calls timeout with one second left on the play clock. <laughs> I always get the biggest kick out of that because I think coaches they see when they watch a game on TV, they're like, "Oh, you got to call it with one second left." Actually, you don't. You can let the last second tick off, and that's a second the other team won't have because you're punting from the forty five now instead of the forty. It's just funny to me. It is super funny to me. It's it, I, some of these calls, some of these guys. It's it's. There's so many easy formulas to this, and it, you don't even have to know them. Just somebody does. Um, <laughs> like you, you don't even have to know. Amazingly, the Raiders are not dead. Uh, in the AFC, it's going to be really tough. But they're they're. My God, Devontae Adams yesterday. Jesus God. Oh, Devontae Adams is an absolute beast. But the Raiders are not dead. They play an easy schedule out. Uh, the Patriots play the Bills or someone tough. Yeah, they they, they the play the, they play the Niners. Tough. They play the Niners and the Chiefs. They still have the Niners and the Chiefs, and they basically have to run the table and finish ten and seven in the AFC. So yeah, that's well, they don't if the Jets lose. A few more games, right? I mean, they, the the Jets and the, the Jets could lose a few more games. They play the Chargers again, right? Um, do the Raiders play the Chargers again? Um, I look at their schedule. No, 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 they don't. They've already they've they. But the Raiders play the Rams this week, which they Rams win. on Thursday night. So, although, although the line is super short, um, they play the Patriots, which which will help them in a head to head. They play the Steelers, the 49ers, and Chiefs, and maybe the Chiefs when they play them, they'll have nothing to play for. So yeah, and by the way, like they like the Lions, and I talked about the Lions um, in the first segment. Um, because just looking at the NFC playoff picture, if the Lions had won that game on Thanksgiving Day against the Bills, which they had a very good chance to do, they'd be on a five-game oh, winning streak. They'd be 6-6. Six and six. I'm telling you, they can really score. That Amon Ross St. Brown has become one of the best receivers in football. Uh, I think he had like 11. And Goff, ca- has, 
Goff is Goff's playing well. Amon Ra is awesome. Uh, it, awesome. And Swift Swift's a good back. They run the ball effectively. Yeah. They're 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 not I good mean, on defense. Dan Campbell's got them playing well. They're not good on defense, but but they have they're not overextended as far as cap. They'll be able to make some moves this year in terms of defense. They could run the, the table. Though. Be a good team next year. They could run the table and finish ten and seven in the NFC. I, I'm not putting it past them. They, the line this week against the Vikings is pick them ten and two against five and seven. It's in Detroit. Pick them. I'll have Detroit for the maximum, but I had the Jets yesterday. I had the Patriots against the Vikings. I've been against the Vikings here with the smell test, which went four and two yesterday uh, over the weekend. It's now nine winning weeks in the last eleven. Um, uh, the the Lions, the Lions and Raiders right now are two teams that you would not want to play if you have to win games to get in. I totally agree. They're both playing really good football. Really good offense. The Raiders could have won any one of four games in a row that they lost. I know. They lost so many close games. Be in very good shape. I mean, God, it's actually amazing. This is a great year. I'm enjoying it, too. Of parity in the NFL. I mean, there are ten teams in both sides that can make the playoffs and be good in the playoffs. That's that's the crazy thing. in, In the NFC right now, you you can't tell me that the Eagles are a lock, and I can't tell. Like I think the Forty ers are the best team, but they don't have a quarterback. And the, I think anybody could essentially beat the Forty ers I didn't think so before yesterday, before the injury. I thought they were going to be the toughest team to beat. Nick Bosa had four sacks yesterday. He is and a sack fumble that they uh, end up yeah. scoring on. And and, and 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 the Cowboys are making big plays on defense over and over again, and the Eagles are kind of unstoppable at times offensively. I think there's a. I think there is the a difference. Cowboys are a problem. I think the difference between the Eagles and, and uh, the Eagles, Cowboys, and the 49ers, if they ha- figure out the quarterback thing, I think there is a difference between them and then Minnesota. And then I would put everybody. I think everybody's in that category with Minnesota. They're the worst defensive team in the NFC of the playoff teams by far. Everybody else is good on defense. You can't tell me right now that, but but the thing is, is you can't tell me right now that Minnesota cannot beat any team that they play. I didn't say that. I just said that. I right. I just think that they are like I'm looking at Washington. If if the 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 likely destinations for Washington in the first round would be San Francisco or Minnesota, as it stands now. Maybe Seattle now has a chance to win that division. They play the 49ers, and with the 49ers not having a quarterback, who knows. Um, But it's going to be the NFC West winner or Minnesota. And I I think at Minnesota for Washington would be a winnable game. They wouldn't be favored, but I think it would be a winnable game because I think they could smash mouth the hell out of Minnesota. Minnesota would not be able to stop them from running and dominating time of possession. And then it would come down to, you know, can they stop? Can they stop Jefferson? And 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 they did the first go round. I mean, they just unfortunately threw a pick in the fourth quarter, and then you know lost a twenty to seventeen game. Um, San Francisco is different now, and they're going to face them on Christmas Eve. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I can't. They can't win three in a row. I don't think. You know, because they'd have to beat the Cowboys or the Eagles or maybe both of them. Um, on the road, but I think they could win that first-round game at Minnesota and maybe now at San Francisco. Who knows? Although the 49ers on defense, good God. I mean, 
But then again, who who can block Allen and Payne? Nobody. Bosa had three sacks. Nobody, and you're going to get and you're going to get Chase Young back. Yeah. Is he going to play next week? Um, yeah, he's supposed to, well, I mean, we'll see. I'll believe it when I see it, but he supposedly will be back. You know, they have a bye week this week, then they play the Giants again. And the Giants play the Eagles this week. All right. Um, Wednesday, film on Heineke, on yeah. a couple of others. Robinson Jr., mm-hmm. want me to give you your assignment right now? I would love it. Well, I think everybody always wants to, to hear what you think about Heineke's performance after reviewing the film. <clears throat> I think everybody wants to find out about, um, I think after what you said about Robinson Jr., um, I, I think maybe some Robinson Jr. in there. I thought Deron Payne was outstanding uh, defensively. thought it was one of his better games. I don't know. You wanted to know why so many Giants receivers were open. Uh, yeah, especially deep. Yes, there you go. Talk to you on Wednesday. We got all kinds of stuff on Wednesday. <laughs> I'll see you. Thanks. Thanks for doing this, and I'm glad you watched the game. Feel better. Later. All right. Um, I'm done for the day. I was gonna do a little bit of college football, and I mean, Anthony Davis had 55 points against the Wizards, and the Terps were awesome on Friday night against Illinois. And Maryland's going to the Charlotte Bowl, whatever the name of that bowl is, to play an old ACC foe in NC State. Uh, But today was basically about a wild game yesterday. Um, And uh, still, um, lots of big games left coming up. All right, done for the day. Back tomorrow with Tommy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.